The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio, Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. They let us play with all our toys. They let us think that we're big boys. They let us make a lot of noise but we're the world. They let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? Hi, you. Toby. Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Please take your seat 
Good evening and welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride on this Thursday, May 25th, Friday, May 26th. If you're on the East Coast, happy birthday to my grandfather. He would have been 105 years old today. Hope you had a great day. We are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North. As we are here all the time, seven days a week, we welcome in our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We're also live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Thanks for being with us. We're also live at spacedoutradio.com on Spreaker. KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio, The High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio. So remember, if you're listening in on the Double R Machine, do me a favor, visit freedomslips.com and donate today. Like our music, then rock with us. Get the horns up for Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot on tour right now is the official sound of SOR. Hey, you can check us out on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. You can also go and find us on radioguide.fm, player.fm, TalkStream Live, and Stitcher. And our website is spacedoutradio.com. And if you head over to patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of Spaced Out Radios as well. Now, if you want to take part in this show, you got to sign into one of the chat rooms. you got to do me that favor. You go to our website, click on Listen Live, sign in there. You can go on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or maybe you're one of the lucky ones who's a valued member on Facebook at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, be like John. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio, and I'll get to your questions and comments in there as well. Now, if you head to our website for just 5 bucks a month, you can become an SOR Space Traveler. And as of right now, we have the Spaced Out Radio store open. It's open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can pick up a t-shirt, a poster, a sticker. Teresa got a big load yesterday. You can also check out our Encounter Online news section that deals with everything paranormal and strange, courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. My latest blog is on there as well, and if you've had an experience you can't explain, fill out an SOR Sightlines report. The self-described paranormal weirdo is back on Spaced Out Radio tonight as every second month Mr. John Tenney joins us to talk about everything weird and strange that's going on in and around his life. In fact, right now, John is sitting in Salem, Massachusetts waiting to board a paranormal cruise ship that will take him into the Bermuda Triangle. The question is, will this be the last time we hear of John? Well, we hope not. We got him booked for July 26th as well. Now, over the past 27 years, more than 80,000 people have attended John's lectures. John Tenney's columns and articles have been printed in magazines and newspapers worldwide. He has lectured to numerous public and private schools, universities, organizations, and clubs. In fact, he's been so actively involved in the field of 
anomalistic conspiratorial occult and paranormal research for almost three decades, and yet as the experiences continue to happen, he will continue to investigate the stories that follow along as well. John Tenney, welcome back to Space Out Radio. How you doing, my friend? I am doing well, and you talk so much at the beginning and so fast, it always amazes me. Oh, you know what? That's one breath, too. That's one breath. <laughs> you know you, you know what? I, 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 I got to say this. My former broadcasting boss would be just strangling me right now if he saw how much I was saying and how fast. Slow, he'd be yelling at my ear, slow it down, the audience can't figure it out what you're saying. But we got to get through well, everything, because the show is more important I love than it. the intro. So how you been? I've been good. Uh, you know, like you said, it's very strange being in, in Salem, Massachusetts. I went over and went to the Witchcraft Memorial today, and, uh, you know, just kind of, it was a very beautiful, kind of Lovecraftian, rainy day here in Salem, and then, you know, just waiting. My mother actually didn't want me to go on this cruise because she has this weird attachment to the Bermuda Triangle, and she's like, please come back, please come back, and I'm like, don't worry about it, and if I do disappear, I mean, it's pretty fitting that, you know, not only myself, but all of these paranormal investigators, I think that would probably be a pretty big news story on every news agency that, that, you know, like not not only the investigators like me, I'm here with Grant Wilson and Amy Bruni, Adam Barry, Greg and Dana Newkirk from the Traveling Museum of the Weird. If all of us disappeared into being a Bermuda Triangle, that is, I think, a perfect way for us to go. You know what? I just met that crew a couple weeks ago at the Provincetown Paracon. Greg and Dana are great people. I didn't get a long time to chat with Amy. It was a quick hi, hello. I talked with Adam for a little bit. He is just a great guy as well. Provincetown, what a beautiful town, man. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the energy, you know, you hear people who pick up energy. I'm one of those guys. And the energy there is weird. And we were standing there the first night we got there. We got to the hotel. We actually stood where the pilgrims first landed and the Mayflower had come in. And the energy around that memorial that they have there... I mean, it wasn't even cold, and my body was shivering with goosebumps. You could just feel it. It was just insane. Do you get like that as well? It's weird because I don't really consider myself um, sensitive at all. I mean, obviously, we all have kind of a connection to different types of energy. You know, I've I've walked into bars and restaurants and felt, you know, like, oh, I don't belong here. And, and, and I think we write a lot of that off as a survival instinct. But there have been a few places that I've gone. Gettysburg is actually one of those places where, for some reason, uh, you know, whether it's unexplainable, at least to me, that it feels like the land has an emotional state of its own. Uh, and there are certain locations, too. But I'm not one of those people that can walk in and say, oh, this, this room feels weird or, or that object feels strange. It's just uh, a kind of permeating feeling that I get. And like, again, I, as a researcher, I don't know if that's built up psychologically from listening to stories about Gettysburg my whole life, or, you know, if it's my own anxieties or my own emotional attachments to certain feelings and places and sites. But I, I mean, I can't deny that there are certain instances when I walk into a place and I'm like, oh, something is either off or conversely, something is very positive about a place. I was excited to get you on tonight because I got a great ghost story for you, man. I do. I love it. 
I got a great ghost story. As I told you the last time you were on the air, I started doing tours at our local museum for to help raise money. And we do three buildings on the property. We do an old Clydesdale barn that is haunted by a gentleman who was killed in World War One. We do the main house where there is a, a lady there who's downstairs. There's a young girl there who runs around the house. And there's a gentleman in one of the bedrooms upstairs that you just walk by his door and you just get the heebie-jeebies. But we also found out there's actually a cat roaming around the house now, a ghost cat. But the no, I have a couple in my house. But the main one is a building that they call the Post House. Now, the Post House is about 150, 160 years old. It was moved to that location from across the street. And one section was just destroyed, unfortunately, in the move. But the other section is, it was an old hotel slash brothel slash bar. And... There's a couple of spirits in there. There is a a man named Willie and a lady named Mary. Now Willie didn't like me, and through our, through one of these the uh, one of our psychics that deal that comes on Spaced Out Radio on the weekends named Skeeter Wellhouse, very very talented psychic and remote viewer. I've had readings with her before, and she just one of those people who just blows you away with what she sees and is able to envision. And the story is, Willie, the ghost, was pissed right off at me because of these tours. He didn't like them. He didn't like the technology. He didn't like being egged on to perform. So when we went in there with a friend of mine from the Canadian Paranormal Investigations on Friday night before the tour on Saturday, one of the guys, James, got attacked and actually possessed by Willie. So much so that he had to leave the building because he was going to absolutely throttle knock me. And and right before that happened, I was outside with a lady named Kelly because there was huge extraterrestrial energy outside. We were ups, outside looking up for UFOs. And all of a sudden we heard the ghost house door just fly on open. And then we go in there, James, you okay? And everything. This is all documented on tape. Anyways, long story short, Skeeter and I talked a couple of nights ago, and she was telling me, or communicating with Willie, to me. And Willie was telling him how he doesn't like me, he doesn't like the tours, he understands why we need to do it in order to raise money for the museum, but he hates all the camera flashes, he hates people asking stupid questions, can you knock on the walls? He goes, so I said, okay, I said, would, I compromise. I said, would you like us to leave the post house room off the tour next time, which is just in a couple of weeks? And he goes, no, Mary, the other ghost, wouldn't like that. I said, okay. I said, would you like us to make sure we don't go in your room? He goes, no, you could come in my room. Just don't touch anything. Okay, fine. Now, the story behind it is Willie committed suicide in the closet. So... Anyhow, long story short, we we patch things up. We're like best buddies now. I said, hey, what can I do to help you? He goes, can you bring me a beer? Sure. (laughs) So on June 10th, and I will let you know about what happens here. On June 10th, when I go back in that building, I'm going to go in there alone. Now that post house scares me. I don't get scared very often, but that post house scares me. And I'm going to bring two bottles of beer because he doesn't want a can. And... He wants a beer, so I'm going to put one beer in his closet, and I'm going to have a beer myself. And we're going to sit there, and I'm just going to chat with him, just like two buddies at the bar having a beer. And he's told me, point blank, that all i got to do is twist the cap, 
and just leave the cap on there. He'll remove the cap himself. He's that powerful. Interesting. So I got an experiment. I'm going to do it, John, and we'll see how it goes from there. I hope that you have an experience where a ghost will drink a beer with you. That sounds incredibly awesome to me. We have a uh, very notoriously allegedly haunted restaurant here in Detroit called the Whitney. And for probably 20 years, there's a, a two spirits that, that supposedly roam the hallways. And for about 20 years, each time, uh, every day, uh, the chef in charge of the kitchen would make two daily specials. And then they'd go and there was a special t- table upstairs in the restaurant that was fully set up. And they'd put two of the daily specials up there kind of in honor and almost, you know, in reverence to the two spirits that are in the Whitney just so that they would leave the kitchen alone. Uh, I haven't talked to anybody recently to see if they're still doing that. But uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the meals were never eaten. They were just kind of put up there. I always wished that someone would go up there and eat them. But then again, it's Detroit, too. So you never know unless you're keeping a camera on them and watching them all the time if it's ghost eating them or if it's uh, rats pulling on them away. (laughs) This is true. Well, it's funny because last night we had my birthday show on, and I don't know if it was just interference with Skype. We were having all sorts of technical problems last night with the broadcast, but once everything seemed to smooth out, I had six people on the phone, and all of a sudden it sounded like this voice through static came charging through as we were talking about Willie and we heard the word awesome or something along those lines. Now it could have been total freaking nature with with the you know the way Skype can be sometimes. But sure. on the flip side, everybody heard it. It wasn't just one of us. Everybody heard it across. You know, and so we're just like, wow, that's that's a little coincidental that old Willie there uh came across if it was him. You know, while we were talking sure. about it, you know, you you were talking about being at that event and going outside and kind of looking up at the sky and trying to have a UFO moment. And what's interesting to me, and no one, uh, not a lot of people that I know do this, I do, I have for years now. But you know, we're dealing with very weird aspects, obviously, of our world. Perhaps we are, perhaps we are, uh, perhaps we understand them, and perhaps we don't. But when I do EVP sessions, sometimes. I ask very commonly about extraterrestrials, uh, time travelers, Bigfoot. I ask if this other world is communicating with us, if, if they really are answering our questions, like why aren't we asking them questions? And what I've found is that in a few instances, I've gotten things that seem to be answers. You know, I, I was doing an EVP session years ago and you know, you, it was at the time where you do the entire session and then you listen back to your answers afterwards so you don't hear it in real time. But one of my questions was, uh, is there anyone here with you? And the reply was, uh, people from space. And so about two questions later, I think my question was, um, if there's anyone with you, are you afraid of them? And the response was, they're from space. And I just thought it was so weird that, like, okay, so I guess I'm doing this session where I'm supposed to be talking to a ghost, and and yet this ghost or spirit or whatever is currently in the process of being weirded out by extraterrestrial ghosts or perhaps just extraterrestrials that are non-corporeal. Like, these are the 
this is what I want people to explore when they're doing their, their ghost investigations, or if they're investigating UFOs, looking for ghosts. And I mean, I just want to find that. I, I want this to be as weird as it is. And I want people to be as open to making it as weird as it should be. Do you believe that there is more of a tie between extraterrestrials and the paranormal spiritual world than what a lot of people led on that there could be? I mean, sure. I mean, you hear all the time that, uh, you know, there are obviously large groups of swatches of people who believe that, uh, you know, aliens are demonic, which falls into the realm of the spiritual category. Uh, you hear all the time about ancient aliens and, you know, that's supposed to be angels that come down. So there is this, this crossover between the spiritual world and the extraterrestrial world. Uh, I don't know because we don't know the answers really to anything, but uh, I mean, why shouldn't it be possible that if there is an advanced extraterrestrial technology, they've lost the need for a, a physical body and they have become nothing but a, a kind of pure searching consciousness that floats throughout the universe, which to us would be very much like uh, a ghost. Uh, and I just think that people get locked into these ideas of what a ghost is, what an alien is, what a cryptid is. And it's because of their own belief and because of how it's easiest for them to think about a phenomena that they choose not to see how widely deep what they're actually looking at could possibly be. Well, the other interesting point, when we were outside looking for the extraterrestrials, do you remember in the movie Signs where you heard one of the aliens running around the corn and then everything would just go silent, then all of a sudden to the left there would be something running over there as well? Sure, sure. We actually had that happen. In behind the museum, there is a lake and there is a bunch of reeds and marsh in there. And we heard rustling running through the reeds. And we had our flashlight flashing in there. And I'm like, okay, show us the eye shine. You know, we know you're there. Just show us your eye shine. You know, I mean, in reality, it could have been a bear. It could have been a deer. It could have been a cougar, a moose, you know, something big, a dog. It could have been anything. I mean, literally, that's where we live, right? But it was weird because it would stop, and then we were right by a building, behind the building, way to the left. So if this is at midnight, and we're talking 9 o'clock here, maybe 9.30, you would hear the rustling happening on the other side right after that one stopped. And it was right out of the movie Signs. And I don't like using movie analogies, but I don't know how else to communicate what that was like because it was so identical. So I don't know what it was. I'm leaning towards animal. You know, the skeptic sure. in me says I'm leaning towards animal. But it just seemed really coincidental that the one section would stop, the other section would get going, and when that section stopped, the other side would get going when we changed, moved the flashlight. It was just strange, man. And that was, you said, was that in a cornfield? No, there's a lake in behind the museum, and there's a walking path in between. So in between the okay. walking path and the lake, you know, you got the reeds and the little bit of marshy area. Yeah, yeah. That's where it yep. was. Interesting. And of course, you know, we're talking about extraterrestrials and ghosts, and like you said, just air on the side of animal. But again, it's it 
it's always fascinating to me to say like, okay, so you're at a ghost hunt, you're outside looking for extraterrestrials. You think that there might be some kind of weirdness going on in, in, in the reeds and, and in the vegetation surrounding you. But what, for me, it's like, okay, but it could also have been a cryptid of some sort, or it could have been uh, some type of earth elemental or an elf or a kobold or a brownie or a puckwidgie or like, like it could be anything right in those moments when we don't know what it is, we have this extremely fascinating part of our brain, which allows for it to, in our imaginations, at least be anything. And, and that's a, those moments of wonder that I, I find most fascinating. Like, of course you're outside. It can, there's a, we know that there are animals roaming around and jumping around and doing animal type things. But since we don't know, we, we have this possibility as an imaginative creature ourselves for it to become anything. And I, I just feel like a lot of people who don't explore that aspect of their mind are missing out on, on a very colorful reality that they they can live in. I mean, sure, sure, you can then run in there and find out it's a raccoon, but, but there's a moment before you find out that it's a raccoon when it can be anything. John, I wanted to ask you this question last time, and I didn't get the opportunity to do so, so I'm going to tonight. And I think it's kind of important, especially with this realm of the unknown that we deal with. There are a lot of people out there, John, who absolutely get ripped to shreds about their credibility. They get ripped to shreds about, you know, the, the stories that they tell or the information that they give. The skeptics come out in full trying to break down absolutely everything that they say. And, and, and some of the stories just sound so unbelievable. Yet with you... I notice on this show, the minute I post that you're coming on this show, everybody is like, hell yes, we love this guy. <laughs> Why do you think you, of all people, and I'm putting you on the spot here, I understand, but you, of all people, have been able to gain the trust and the credibility that so many in the paranormal have not been able to gain at all? Uh, I, I really have never been able to figure that out. I mean, maybe it's... I, being in this field for as long as I've been in this field, uh, thinking about these things as long as I've thought about them and talking to as many people as I have, I'm pretty consistent with the things that I say. Um, people know, I, I openly say, if someone says, when did I start believing in ghosts? I don't believe in ghosts. Uh, I, I don't believe in anything. I, and, and I've always admitted that. I, I'm not smart enough to know 100% for sure what's happening at any time. I'm just not that smart. And I'm willing to admit that. I, I feel like when you say, okay, this is your best guess, uh, pe pe I'm sure your listeners know if they've heard me before. I say supposedly and allegedly a lot because that's the, the right way to talk about this phenomena. When people start saying, I saw this declarative statement, end point, um, you leave yourself open for this very uh, sharp edge to be honed at you because, you know, if I, I, I very rarely post what people call evidence and it's because usually I pass it around through all sorts of different sources. I let people see stuff and I allow various different people to give to me their input. You know, you go to you go to YouTube right now and type in, the best ghost video ever. And there'll be 
tens of thousands of people making the statement that they have the absolute 100% proof of ghosts. And it's usually pretty garbagey, right? Let's just say uh, the best ghost footage, the best possible ghost footage, right? Like that, that's a big difference between saying this is the best ghost footage and saying this is possibly the best ghost footage. There are, those are two big differences because you're, you're saying like, I don't know what this is. You can see lights in the sky. This is possibly the best UFO footage. Um, it's just little things like that. Being able to be honest about how you think, being honest about what you do and don't know, being able to have ideas which are flexible and fluid and allow for you to change and for allow you to construct new and better ideas over having these very concreted and rooted belief systems. I think people just like the fact that I like weird stuff. They like weird stuff. I'm willing to say that it's not an alien. I'm willing to say it's not a ghost, but I'm also willing to say maybe it's an elf, if that makes any sense. <laughs> well, it could be. It could be. You know, but I guess I look at the credibility factor here, John, and there are so few people in your category that they will hang on every word. Even some of my harshest critics who follow this show who will let me know if they don't like a guest or aren't believing a guest when you are on the air they are just absolutely tuned right in is it because like you said you're not afraid to admit what it could be but you also like you said you use allegedly and supposedly and other adjectives to go along with that or is it because you've never been able to come out or never really have come out and said look this is what it definitely is. This is what's definitely happening and coming up with some kind of weird, strange, you know, anomaly or anomalous answer that that tells us what you're doing or why you believe that. Because if I look at the Bigfoot field, I mean, we have so much happening there. We have people who believe it's gigantic pithecus. We have these people who, you know, maybe had a little bit too much hippie lettuce and say they're people too. You know, I mean, we have so much going on. You know, is it because you're just straight up about it? I, I think it's because, uh, first of all, I, there's a, a big aspect to why I think that uh, people, both believer and skeptic and militant believer and militant skeptic like me, which is I have a great deal of snark within me. And so there's uh, a little bit of tongue and cheek and a little bit of poking and prodding to get both sides going. I think that that's good. I think that we should challenge our own ideas and we should challenge other people's ideas. And sometimes a little biting and, and being a little snarky about it. And, and I know that people pick that up about me and that's fine. That's the way that I am. Uh, but I think it's because I am willing to, to call someone on their BS. And then sometimes while calling their BS, uh, saying maybe, okay. Uh, there was, I was having a conversation with a gentleman earlier today and he was showing me a photo which he thought was some kind of ghost. And I pointed out that it probably wasn't 
that it was probably a mirror that was in the background that was causing a camera flash. And when I was pointing that out, I said to him, you know, I don't really think it's a ghost. There's a mirror back there and your flash has gone off. So of course it's going to illuminate this structure that's to the side. And then I looked at him and I said, but it could also be an ancient alien ghost that has beamed into here. And he looked at me and he was like, no, it's not really. And I said, right, it's probably not really. And it's, it's probably not a ghost as well. It's probably a mirror. So, I mean, like you can use snark to bring people around. When he walked up to me, he was a hundred percent convinced this reflection in his photo was a ghost and not by calling him a name, not by telling him, you know, that he's, uh, uneducated in how cameras work or anything like that, but saying like, oh, that's interesting, but what I'm seeing here is this. And then you couch a joke in the background. You don't want, to, you don't want people to feel terrible about how, you know, what they're showing you. They're opening up to this aspect, this, uh, this aspect of their life to you where they're about to say something which many, many people in the world think is absolutely ridiculous. But they, they take a moment, they open up to you, And you don't want to close that person back down. You want them to be able to build and, like I said, construct new ideas. And so you can use snark in that way. You can, you can use criticism in that way. You just don't be mean about it. And I think that that's what both sides recognize. I think both sides recognize that I'm, I'm very honest about how I feel and how I think, and that I'm a nice person. I, I think that those two things and that I get a little bit, uh, not tongue in cheek, but that I, I understand how weird it is to, that we're even talking about any of this, that, that there are conventions where I will go to the Bermuda Triangle, that there are groups of people walking around going to witch graveyards right now. Like, I understand how absolutely bizarre that is, but I don't find it any less bizarre than my father, who for some reason has to wake up in the middle of the night and go to a grocery store to get himself black cherry ice cream to come home. And like, that's just as crazy that someone would do that as the fact that someone wakes up in the middle of the night and has to go and walk around a witch cemetery because they want to see a ghost. The whole world is nonsense. And, and I, I think that that's why people, and by, by the fact that I admit that constantly, I think that's why people kind of gravitate toward me and like me. Do you think it's because you break it down in simplistic ways, John? And the reason why I say that, just listening to what you were saying there moments ago, I mean, you're not you're not trying to be something or come up with answers that are nonsense. And we have so many people who want to be that guy or that girl who finally proves what is happening with ghosts, Bigfoot, aliens, UFOs, that they will come to any type of necessary conclusion, claim it's science, and then run with their answer, and that's all they're going to believe. Whereas what I hear from you is, you know, let's take all the evidence, let's figure out what we have before we start coming to any type of conclusion. Would that be the reason why people are attracted to what you say is because you keep it simplistic? Uh, I mean, to a certain degree, I, I, I've never thought that I was a scientist. I've never thought that I was going to solve anything. Uh, I think that those are, are really big points of contention that I have with a lot of people in the paranormal field who think that they're doing really rugged, uh, science 
I just don't see that a lot across the country and, and, and across the people that I deal with, even though they say that they do it. I, I don't think that I'll ever figure anything out. If I, if I have done anything and if I will do anything, it will to have been to create larger, uh, more well-intentioned and, and more deeply thought conversations, which may in the future possibly lead someone else to an answer about something. But I didn't go into this to answer anything. Um, I went into it to explore it. That That's a very important part to me. And I know that different people do different things and they have different motivations. But my personal journey in, in not just the paranormal community or the anomalistic community or the occult sciences or whatever you want to call it, my, my personal journey is to have as much fun uh, and to experience high strangeness in all of its various forms without having to be tempered by doing rigorous hard science and finding reproducible evidence. That stuff is great. And sometimes in the past I have done experiments, but again, I've never claimed to be a scientist. I just want to experience the full magnitude of weirdness of this reality in this very short blip brief of time that it appears that I'm only going to have in relationship to, to the age of the cosmos. Well, I'm going to read a comment from one of our listeners and then get to a question here. Sure. Mike at hashtag Spaced Out Radio Twitter says, People like John Tenney because he's not selling a belief system. He's rational but open-minded. And I think that sells you, number one, the best right there. And the question comes from Beyond the Omniverse in one of our chat rooms. He's asking, John, what is your most overwhelming paranormal, cryptid, UFO, personal story that you have come across yet? I mean, it, for me, it always has to start for your listeners who don't know. Um, I, I had a incident where I had a heart attack when I was 18. And so I have a near death experience. And I always start with that because it, to have a memory of a period of time and, and, you know, I'm not an expert on neurobiology and neurochemistry, but you become an armchair neurobiologist once you, kind of die if you want to, if you're a researcher and you're interested in the brain and what happens to you when you die. And so to have a memory of this, this place or, or experience uh, in between time and in between life, that's something that's radically life-changing and radically altering. But I don't talk about it that much because it was this experience of being uh, solely consciousness inside of infinity, inside of void. And if I talk about it more than that, like you really can't because the experience is that you exist within nothing. And so I'm just trying to describe nothing, which is pointless. So even though that's a huge portion of who I am, even I understand that it's ridiculous to talk for an hour about literally the experience of nothing. Uh, I might do that in a philosophy class and that's fine. But for me, the, the most earth-startling and earth-shaking paranormal or anomalistic occurrence is usually the, the most recent one, no matter how large or small it is, because it's the clearest in my mind, it's the clearest in, in my awareness. Uh, something really crazy that happened to me when I was 15 or 16 years old, 
uh, I can just, I'm telling you now from memory, when I was like 16 was the first time I ever saw what, what someone would consider a ghost. It was this, you know, six foot tall, semi-translucent being that walked down a stairwell and then turned the corner and kind of looked at me. And, and, and it was just life-changing, just shocking. But it was when I was 15. So you're talking about something that happened 30 years ago. And my memory has confabulated that into remembering the memory of remembering telling the story for the first time. I'm not even really remembering the actual experience anymore. So, you know, when I'm out walking today in Salem, Massachusetts, and four or five synchronicities hit in a row, and then, you know, a seventh one hits, and I'm like, oh, this this is something that's really, really, really strange that's going on. It's because it's the most current, it's the most in my, in, in my awareness. And so I know that that's kind of, I know people want answers of me being chased by monsters or ghosts or, or seeing UFOs and lights in the sky. All of these things have happened to me, but because they happened in the past, I, I, I don't really know. The brain is a terrible way to store information. It's constantly deteriorating. Our memories aren't getting better from day to day. And so the, the most life-changing and radically weirdly altering experiences is usually the one that is just the most current, even if it's just a tiny squeak of a door or too many synchronicities lining up in a row. So here you are in Salem, Massachusetts, probably going out to hunt some witches later, burn them at the stake, because that's the kind of guy you are. And you're, <laughs> you're, ha- you're hanging out in a very haunted area and that entire east coast of massachusetts it just rings with paranormal doesn't it but the the whole picture that you were going on and the only reason why you're there is you're actually going on a cruise to the bermuda triangle for those of us who haven't been on a paranormal cruise what goes on is the ship haunted or how are you doing this so much like any, it's just a cruise ship, and you know it, it will touch the corner of the Bermuda Triangle because it's going to Bermuda. Uh, but it's just a cruise ship, and there's a, a couple hundred people who have all signed up to come onto the ship, and there will be lectures all week long. So I'm doing a lecture on, uh, I get to pick my lectures to do whatever I want. So I'll be doing, I think, three lectures on this cruise. I'll be doing one on Atlantis. I'll be doing one on uh, the Bermuda Triangle, of course. And then I'm doing one of like the top 10 weirdest cases that I've had in the past 28 years. Uh, So those lectures are scheduled all throughout the week. And plus there's little VIP parties and VIP parties and dinners. And we just kind of mill about and talk to each other. And then there are ghost walks that you know, there's a ghost walk tonight in Salem, and there is one, I believe, in Bermuda when we get there. And it's just a time for weirdos to get together and be weird together. There's a great period of time on the cruise ship where the rest of the, the people who are just there to go on a cruise realize that there's 200 uh, ghost hunters and, you know, alien hunters and cryptozoologists on the boat. So there's always that moment where all of a sudden people are, oh, we have a whole boat full of you know, ghost hunters, and then that will work its way through the boat. But it really is. It's just a good time for weirdos to get together. And I always, for people who have never heard me talk, I say weirdo in the most loving, caring fashion that you can imagine. Uh, I, I tell the story all the time. I was called a weirdo all through my, my life in, in school. And 
uh, it was slung at me as an insult. And so I've always tried to rebrand it as something that's, that's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, so it's just a cruise, but it's full, it's full of weirdos. It's full of wonderful weirdos. And we get to talk and relax in, in a very open and cool environment about uh, the things that we doubt, the things that we think we know. And we get to share our common experiences with each other. It's really awesome, actually. Hold on. I, I got to take you back here because I'm, I'm not going to lie. What's it like going to a VIP dinner at a Paracon? <laughs> some of us some of us haven't had that experience when we travel 3500 miles and not invited but you know I, I i could feel that question coming from Everett Thieber and eric markham who were with me in provincetown what is that like to be considered a vip uh i don't know because i usually I, so i i kids do not listen to me but i smoke cigarettes and I am very uncomfortable with anything that has VIP attached to it. I'm just not like that. I grew up a lower middle class kid. Uh, I just, I am uncomfortable with it. So usually during VIP parties, if I have to go to them or I'm invited to go to them, I'm usually at a side door smoking, uh, trying to not be a VIP. I don't know what that's like. You know, I really, I really don't, you know, I mean, Dave, you're, you are, listen, you're a very important person in every day, in every way you're getting better and better. I understand that, but we're having a good (laughs) laugh with that right now. See, if you had heard John's and my conversation before the show, I filled him in on Provincetown and it was a good conference. There were certain things that left us scratching our heads, like, you know, not being invited to the VIP guest dinner, you know, where we could mingle with all the VIPs. And, and we, you know, we were basically, I didn't even know about it until a couple of our listeners who had bought VIP passes said, are you coming to the dinner tonight? We're like, what did, we're like, what dinner? What dinner? Oh, you don't know? Yeah. So we're all like, you know, wondering what's, what's that like now? I mean, what, what's it like to have Paul like John Tenney to get that old VIP dinner there? You know, oh, so. it's, it's, yeah, it's a very exciting. Let me just make everyone really aware of, of so if people go to my Instagram, I was, uh, this last weekend, I, I was at the Motor City Comic Con in Detroit. And the only picture I actually posted on my Instagram from the Comic Con was the green room, the exclusive room for VIP guests at Comic-Con. And if people go to my Instagram, which is my Instagram handle is John E. Altenny, uh, just look a couple back and you'll see uh, two round tables with nothing on them. It's completely empty. There's nothing in the room whatsoever. There's like a, a cooler for, for Pepsi and Diet Pepsi, and that's like the only thing in the room. That's the big, huge VIP room that... You know, everybody longs to get into. The, the more VIP you get, the more you just end up being more and more alone. You know, you go from a room at Comic-Con where there's 50,000 people walking around to the green room where there's only, you know, 200 people in the green room. Then there's the real exclusive green room, which is usually off of the green room. That's usually only about 20 people. And then that leads you back to your, you know, the most exclusive room at all, which is just your hotel room where you're sitting by yourself. So I, I would much rather be out in the crowd with 50,000 people than sitting in a, in a green room with 
it, at this comic convention, here's my quick story. Uh, having going, being in the green room also means that sometimes you're accosted by like people who are on television and in the movies. I was standing there last Sunday in the green room drinking coffee and Rob Schneider, the comic actor walked up, grabbed my coffee, told me that caffeine was going to kill me, dumped it on the floor of the hotel and then made me white organic tea and then turned around and walked away. And I was like, Oh, so this is what it's like to be in a VIP room. You're accosted by Rob Schneider. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, we made our own VIP party there. We actually went to this great pizza parlor in town. These pizzas for like 20 bucks, they could feed like six people. They were just massive. So I go outside because I like a little bit of fresh air every now and again like you do. Mm -hmm. And all I hear as I'm trying to concentrate on, you know, getting my fresh air like I like to do, I'm standing by this bench, and all I hear is this man say, I cannot believe that bitch laid her hands on me. I told her I'm gay. I told her I'm gay. And she's like, I don't care, you're hot. And this is the argument I'm looking at. And I'm like, really? Really? This is what I'm dealing with tonight in the middle of Provincetown, Massachusetts. But it was all good. It was all good. There's a there's there's something about getting away from. I mean, I really I, I cannot stress to you enough how much I don't enjoy being uh, a VIP. Like, there's something I really do enjoy about going out and just walking around and being a normal person and hearing conversations like the one you just said. Like, I love to. I I travel a lot, and so I'm in a lot of towns that I've never been in before. That's just the way I am. I like to walk, you know, down alleys and, and down side streets and get to know the, the city for the little bit of time that I'm there. It's always, I've always found it very curious when uh, movie stars, like for Comic-Con, that people will fly in, they'll go to the They'll go to their hotel room. They'll sit and wait for the convention to happen. They'll go out and do the convention, go back to their hotel room, and then fly back to their home. Like, I've just never liked to do that. I'm a, I'm a wanderer. I'm a roamer. I, I do like to explore every aspect of my life. And so when I come to cities, you know, today, when I got to Salem, I hadn't been here in a very long time. So, you know, I got my bags in my hotel room. I threw a couple bucks in my pocket and just took off on foot and everybody was like, where are you going? Where are you going? And I was like, I'm just walking around. You know, there's a ton of people who I, a lot of them that I like that, that are kind of sitting around the lobby of the hotel or, or milling about. And I, I just go and just go and explore it. I mean, I just, I do that in everything, whether it's reading about ghosts or just the area that you're in, there's, it, it drives me crazy when there's not, this kind of fire for exploration or knowledge or interest in the world around you. And again, and it doesn't have anything to do with ghosts or UFOs, just the world around you in general. I had a, a, one of my father's friends uh, who lived in Detroit had died, never kind of leaving the confines of a 25 mile square area. Like, he had never gone to northern Michigan. He had never gone to Ohio, which is only 60 miles away. That just almost breaks my heart. I'm sure he was a very happy man living that way. But I, I just think that people should experience 
everything that the world has to offer in a good way without, you know, having to kill anybody or anything like that. Well, we're going to get more into the Bermuda Triangle and UFOs in hour number two with you, because unfortunately, due to the cruise, we only got you for two hours tonight. But the next time you're on, we're going to try and steal three out, out of you. But sure. do, you, do you look forward to events like this, or are you just so worn down with going to Paracons, Comic-Cons, that it's just run-of-the-mill now? No, I love it. I mean, that's the other thing that I love. It's it's part of that explorative part of myself. I love listening to people's stories. I love hearing how they experience the world. I only experience it, it obviously, uh, in through my eyes. And I do. I, I don't think I'll ever get sick of listening to people and talking to people and, and getting new ideas from them. You know, people say stuff all the time that spark a new idea in me and leads me down a new path. And I don't ever see myself getting tired of, of interacting with people, whether it be at comic cons or at events or just talking to people when I'm outside having a cigarette. I do have to ask you, though, because you're a people watcher and so am I. Do you laugh sometimes at the way people dress when it comes to this and i'm not saying i'm not saying you know like if you're going to a comic-con where they're dressed up like spider-man or superman but one of the things that caught me interesting at, at in provincetown and a beautiful town it, it is if anybody on the east coast or across america you know or north america in general can get there please do it was so impressive even the great white shark sign that scared me was impressive you know but but do you ever just look at some of these paranormal people who are walking around and they're dressed up, you know, looking like gangbangers or looking, uh, having, trying to have some sort of street credit shtick, and you look at them and you just say, what are you doing to our field? How often does that happen to you? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I mean, obviously we all have our, um, we all, I grew up as a punk rock kid in the early 80s. So, I mean, I can't discuss anything that anyone. I used to walk around, you know, in a leather jacket with a purple glitter tie, and my hair was a multitude of colors when I had hair. And to, you know, whatever I spray painted my Converse, whatever color they were. And so, I mean, where, however people are most comfortable, like, I'm fine with it. I, I used to have an issue with it, actually. I mean, I love wearing ties. That mostly comes from my love of the 1930s and 40s of Hollywood and swing music and stuff like that. But however people want to dress, I, I, I'm not into bedazzled jeans. But if that's what some guy wants to wear, absolutely fine. Do whatever you want. Um, I, I used to, it used to really bother me, actually. Maybe 15 years ago, I was like, why doesn't everybody wear a tie? Why doesn't everybody wear a suit coat? Yeah, I, you know, why do they have to, why does everybody have to wear the only, okay, so I guess really quickly, the only thing that really bothers me is the proliferation of skulls and bats and bloody fonts on things. Uh, that's the one thing that people wear that kind of drives me a little bit crazy, just because, especially ghost people, because I think that there's this raw, there's just this lack of thinking about ghosts as being scary. So you have to show skulls and bones and gravestones and bats and spiders. Uh, thinking about ghosts is thinking about life, not about death. I mean, you die, we know that. And then we're concerned with more life after death. 
And I, I think that skulls and bones and gravestones and bats and spiders have actually very little to do with the study of ghosts. So that that's the one thing that, that kind of irks me here and there. John, I'm going to get you to hold on because we are going to step out for our first break of the night here. John E.L. Tenney, his website, weirdlectures.com. John has graciously decided to be a bi-monthly guest here on Spaced Out Radio. We're going to try an effort to bring him back on Wednesday, June, July 26. He's got to confirm that in his calendar, but it's always a good time when John is on this show because his stories are absolutely amazing when it comes to the paranormal and supernatural. We're going to learn more about his paranormal cruise that he's going on to the Bermuda Triangle and UFO talk right after this on Spaced Out Radio. Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hill Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal. UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy on your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sightlines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the Sightlines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. 
Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us. From radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. Views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott 
and SOR. Welcome back to the second hour of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the program, it's time for the SOR Roundtable again. We get into everything paranormal, weird, strange. As I'll bring in the panel, we'll relax, we'll hit up some paranormal topics. It'll be a lot of fun starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are also live on the United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We are also live on KTLK, the Fringe FM. Live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on the Double R Machine, Revolution Radio is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. And if you're scoring in Scrabble, this is a good one. Herquitaliancy. Herquitaliancy is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, as Bill sets a password each and every night. Don't forget, you can also pick up this show on iTunes. You can tune us in on TuneIn. Go to our YouTube channel, Space Out Radio Show. We're also on playerguide.fm, radioguide.fm, TalkStream Live, and Stitcher. And our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month, read up on the Encounter Online, our great news section, and we have the Spaced Out Radio Store, where you can be like Teresa, pick up a handful of stickers and a t-shirt. And we also got posters as well, and I'm going to autograph those for you. So make sure you check out our store today. John Tenney is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. John is with us for one more hour before he has to hop on his ship and head to the Bermuda Triangle on a paranormal cruise. His website, weirdlectures.com. John will be back on this show on Wednesday, July 26th. We're hoping we got our fingers crossed. John, welcome back. Thank you for having me. And right, it was you probably, I don't think it came through my phone, but right as you said, you know, welcome back, John. There was a huge strike of lightning outside. It was very, very, very theatrical. So good work on that. Oh, no problem. I planned that. I planned that, you know. <laughs> that's that's the way we do things around here. We wanted to make a little bit of emotion with this audience tonight. Now, you are heading in a lightning storm to the Bermuda Triangle. Now, that's weird. I'm not going to lie. That's, uh, a little little co- that's a little coincidental. <laughs> are you expecting to disappear like Flight 19? I am not. Uh, you know, for all the worry and concern that people have, I've always thought it's weirder that, that, you know, people always talk about all the planes that disappear. I think it's weirder that they can keep track of where every plane is at. Like, that seems overwhelmingly amazing to me. Uh, but I also, you know, I'm from Michigan, so I'm surrounded by the Great Lakes, and the Great Lakes have more boats and planes disappear in them than the Bermuda Triangle. So I, I'm not really concerned with the Bermuda Triangle. I, I, I would love to see like some kind of giant sea monster. I think that's more fascinating. And, and or, or, but I, I know that people love the the mystery of of the Bermuda Triangle, Flight 19, all the different ships that have have disappeared in it. I'm I'm really being a late night uh, person. I, my fascination is going out on on deck at you know two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, and looking for unidentified submerged object, looking for the UFOs that 
live beneath the ocean. That's that's what I'll be looking for. Well, I hope you see something because there is a lot of sharks in that area. And I know when I was at Provincetown, I got freaked out walking along the one of the jetties that they have there because as you're about to walk on there, they got this big shot sign that says, "Do not swim in this area. Great whites swim here." And you know, I saw Jaws. I know what happens. I was freaking out, to be honest. I really, I really was. So, so don't fall overboard because we don't need sh- you to be shark food. But the Bermuda Triangle is one of those strange anomalies. Have you done research on it? Because going to that area, I don't know if it's your first time there or not, but, you know, the strange stories and the strange tales really are captivating. Yeah, but you know... It's it's one of those things. It's 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 one of the the great kind of mythological places that we have, where for some reason, uh, you know, people have created. You know, the Bermuda Triangle is just you know the three different land masses make, and and depending on who you even talk to, where the triangle is located is different. And then you have another one, you know, supposedly on the other side of the you have the the Dragon's Triangle over in 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 Asia. But it's it's like people latch on to a certain area or certain things that happen in a certain area and then think that they must all be tied together because they're happening in that certain place. Like planes, ships, and boats vanish all the time all over the world. And, you know, you always hear, well, it's, it's larger here. I just told you, you know, we have more that disappear in the Great Lakes than in the Bermuda Triangle. It doesn't mean that they're related. It means that there are huge bodies of water which are very hard to track down wreckage in. What's interesting is when you have, you know, planes that vanish that don't leave oil slicks, uh, that don't leave any kind of de- floating debris on top of the water, and, and there's no way to track those down. Those are the ones that are, are interesting to me. There's a UFO case in Michigan uh, called the Kinross case, which a, a plane vanished chasing supposedly an unidentified flying object. There was no wreckage from that. And that's always been on my radar, uh, no pun intended, for those who know the case. But, um, it, you know, it, I, I don't think that the Bermuda Triangle is any weirder than any place else in this world. Uh, it, it just, for some reason, probably, uh, I, I would guess, you know, the 70s is when it really hit really hard with Berlitz's book about the Bermuda Triangle and the movie that was made in the 70s about it. And of course it was on in search of, and so you have this snowball effect and now here we are, you know, 40 years later and it's, it's a thing again, you know, I have to tell you this weird story because when we were flying out East, my personal assistant, Lana and I were flying out East for this event. The strangest thing happened as we start flying over the great lakes. And I believe we were over superior at that time. The one song that just made me laugh came on, and it was Gordon Lightfoot's Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Sure. I, I couldn't think of a better time for that to come on on my on my iPad <laughs> than than going flying over the Great Lakes, and here I am looking out the blade window wondering, where's the Witch of November? Is she coming early? You know? I'll, well, I'll tell you what I find even more weird is that you're telling me that you're not a VIP, but you have a personal assistant. Well, you know what? I had I had to title her somehow. No, you know what? I, I my assistant Lana. She is. We get it, Dave. Yeah. We get it, Dave. You're very important. 
Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. You're the one who gets invited to VIP dinners where I'm going to the pizza place listening to a gay guy get upset because a woman touched his chest. I want pizza. That's all I'm saying. It was good pizza, John. I'm not going to lie. It was very good pizza. The only problem that I had with that whole pizza joint was that it didn't have dip. They had no dip in the entire place because I like some ranch dip with my pizza. They didn't have dip. I can All right, so between you, you might have people asking me questions, what's the scariest thing that ever happened to me or what's the weirdest thing that ever happened to me, but here's the, here's the real debate. When you have pizza, does the, does the pizza sauce go under or above the cheese? Up here, it's always under. Yeah, see, that I find that wrong. There's a in Michigan. We've had this debate for for decades: sauce under or over the cheese. And I prefer the sauce over the cheese. Give it a try; it'll change your life. I'm telling you, you and your audience all together. It'll change your life more than ghosts, UFOs. Maybe not, but it might change your life. So give it a chance. I'm gonna paranormal pizza. I'm gonna try that. (laughs) Now, now you're just screwing with our audience's heads here. You know, it's a, it's a it's a real argument in Detroit over like I I don't know why it started, but that's that's what we fight about in Detroit. Eric Markham, who's an expat from Michigan, he's saying under. Kim is saying under. On Twitter, we have Jeff saying under. So you you do have some supporters there, but you know what really pisses me off about pizza, John, is when people decide to eat it with a fork and knife. You know, that's just blasphemy to me. Yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, I I, I, I know that the majority of the world eats a, a very thin or flat pizza. And in Michigan, our pizza is, is very fat. And it's like a big dough ball or, you know, it's like a loaf of bread with cheese and sauce on it. So sometimes I can see people cutting it. But I, I still, you've got to eat it with your hands, right? you got to be a monster. you got to be a pizza monster and just go at it like a caveman. Exactly, exactly. That's why there's soap and water. So the Bermuda Triangle, as we get, <laughs> try and bring this ship back in. There's you, nothing wrong with talking. There's nothing wrong with it veering off course. God, there's a huge lightning true. storm going on in Salem right now. Exactly. But you, you tend to believe that there's more mystery by the Great Lakes than the Bermuda Triangle. Why do you say that? So we do. We have... We have planes that have vanished in the Great Lakes. We have boats that have gone on, you know, as long as there have been people around the Great Lakes. Uh, even the, the uh, original tribal people that lived here used to talk about the mysteries of the Great Lakes, that there were these uh, ghost ships and that there were the ancient goddesses. And even the Detroit River, uh, there's, uh, there's supposedly a, a spirit goddess who lives in there near Belle Isle, which is this little island. Uh, just offside of Detroit. Uh, but it's these giant bodies of water, right? Like they are the mysteries of our planet. Like we have never plumbed their depth. We don't know what's down there. We don't know, you know, how they react. They are this surging kind of undulating living thing. And, and being surrounded by it in Michigan, the first thing that's really cool is that there's no sharks in any of our lakes, right? We have these giant inland seas and there's no sharks. in them. We have giant pike and, you know, huge catfish and huge sturgeon that are, you know, six foot long and look like monsters, but 
and they rarely will eat a person. Uh, but it, it's just fascinating to me that a, a single place will be thought to be really strange. And you might have like the Bermuda Triangle, and then you have a place like Michigan where the exact same phenomena happens, and people don't talk about it that much. It just, it, maybe 30 years from now or 20 years from now, there'll be books and documentaries about the Michigan Triangle. I think there's one right now called the Great Lakes Triangle. I think then it was probably written in the 70s around the time the Bermuda Triangle got really popular. But, you know, why people latch on to certain experiences has always been fascinating to me. Why people will believe in a ghost, but they won't believe in Bigfoot, or why they will believe in Bigfoot, but they won't believe in aliens. That's another thing that we need to be talking about as researchers, as experiencers, as the generally interested, we need to be talking about why we believe what we believe and, and, and how that affects the experiences we have. Do you think the Great Lakes, comparatively to any other of the so-called triangles that are out there, is really a relatively untapped piece of research for the paranormal that really should be investigated more? Absolutely. Um, just the fact that we have, you know, there's constantly, you'll see stories about them finding stone circles in the bottom. Put up for some reason. It, it, the, the Great Lakes are, and Michigan is this very weird place. I, I think all of northern United States and Canada are really special places that, that are untapped. You still have huge amounts of forests that, that are completely, you know, mostly uninhabited, um, it's it's relatively new because of the uh, glacial scraping that happened after the last mini ice age uh, 12,000 years ago. You've got these great, huge, enormous lakes. You've got tiny little lakes all over the place. Uh, it, this whole area, I think, is amazingly untapped for weirdness. And I would really like to see, we, we have so many Bigfoot sightings in the UP and Michigan. And, you know, now we've, since the, 60s and 70s, people would argue that uh, we have dogmen sightings in Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, it, there's so much going on here, and people, you know, uh, I, I feel like if you want to go somewhere weird, go north. I will agree with you there, man. And, you know, you, you mentioned something that really triggered a memory. You mentioned about how deep and thick the, the forests are the more north you go here. When we my two buddies and I, when we were looking for Sasquatch prints where my friend Mike had found one and it was about 17 inches by about eight, eight and a half inches wide. We went into the forest just around that area, just to see what more we could find. And we walked in to the forest, maybe 150 feet. And we scoured around. We ended up finding another print that was smaller, about 11 inches by 5 inches. And I'll tell you, when we pulled out of there, we all set up and we all said, okay, which way is out? And all three of us were going in different directions. All three of us. Yeah. And it's amazing how you could be 150 feet. Like, you should be able to see the road from there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's that's how thick the forests get 
and how quickly you can become disoriented when every tree, every branch, every piece of moss and blade of grass seems the same. So it's no wonder that if you're right in the middle of a forest like that, that you're not seeing Bigfoot or Dogman. And you sure as hell hope you don't get chased by him because you're going to be running around in circles. Yeah, absolutely. There was uh, probably about 10 years ago, uh, I was dating a woman and she had I had gotten a call that there could have been a Bigfoot in northern Michigan and she wanted to go. And I said, that's fine. I'm just going to go and walk the area. And it was during the winter. And so I told her, you know, grab all your stuff. You can come with me. We're going to walk the area. And so we drove up to northern Michigan. Not the UP, but the upper portion of the lower peninsula, which still has a ton of heavily forested area. And we started walking around, got out of the car in the area, and we started walking around out in the snow. And uh, she's like, well, we're not very far from the road. And I'm like, well, no, we're not. And we started walking a little bit more, and she's like, I don't see how anything could be out here. Because we probably were 50 to 65 feet from the road. And we walked maybe another five minutes. And she goes, oh, look, there are tracks out here. And I looked at her and I said, those are ours. We, I've just walked us in a circle. And she was like, we are, we're walking in a circle. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to backtrack on ourselves. But it was so interesting to see someone become so, who wasn't used to walking out in the woods, wasn't uh, uh, used to being in the forest, to watch her become so quickly disoriented and lost and to then stumble upon her own foot tracks and think that that was something we were looking for. It was, it was, it's, I mean, I, I, it's so strange that people can get lost that fast. And the, the forest, like you said, they are thick. And in the winter, it's just pitch white, right? So you have even less to kind of look around and notice. It's just these bare tree trunks and white everywhere you look. So I, I, I don't know. It's for people who have never been into the forest, I've never been able to figure that out because I've, I've always spent time up in the woods ever since I was a little boy. But I, I think it's weird when people walk through what is a kind of state park that where the, all the trees are planted, and then you get to the overgrown kind of lush forest that is natural in its growth, and, you, and people don't realize how thick and dense and scary it actually is. You know what? Up here, the energy, because of the way the ley lines, a lot of the intuitive people and native people up here will say, because of the ley lines of the town I live in are set, that's why we have so much weird energy around here. And there's a mountain up here called Mount Timothy. And up here in British Columbia, we still have a lot of wood stoves. So you're going out there and you're chopping down your wood. And the rule is you're allowed to take down any dead tree that you want because it's the dead trees that cause the forest fires, not the green trees, obviously. So my wife and I decide to pack up our son and we're going out to get some wood and we're going to go chop down a couple of trees, fill up the truck and then bring it on back. And we start going down this, this path that we, this logging road that we have gone down before. And John, I have felt the energy from, because I've been around Bigfoot, I've been around aliens, I've been around UFOs, I've been around ghosts, my house is haunted, my yard is haunted right now, okay? And this was energy on that road that I had never felt before. And I'm trying to process it and, and do this recognition, okay, was it when I, was it when I saw that alien? Did it feel like that? No, it did not. Did it feel like the time when when I got the picture of the ghost in our house? No, it didn't. 
you know, because you could tell if you're if you're sensitive to it, you could tell the difference in the energies. And this was nothing my wife and I had ever felt. She was so freaked out, she wouldn't even let our son, who at that time is three years old, out of our truck. That's how scared she was. So here I am, you know, preaching out loud to the the forest god saying, hey, we're just here to take a dead tree and we're going to get out of here. So we cut down the tree and we get out of there. And we continue on to down the road thinking it would change. We get out to another area because we see another tree we want to fall and it was even stronger. And this time it felt that there was something watching. And British Columbia has never had a recorded dogman sighting. But as I was going through my head, piece by piece, of everything I have experienced personally, here I'm thinking, for some reason, I get the feeling there is a dogman in this forest looking at me right now. It just felt that way, and when I when I mentioned Dogman in my head, you know, the, the winning bell went ding, 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 ding. You know, it was just weird. Never had that happen before, have not had that happen since. Do you think this elusive creature called Dogman is roaming around all of North America, or do you think it's still in pockets like Wisconsin, Michigan? Uh, you know, I think that if... If cryptids are real, I think that they move around. I think that they go places. They're migratory. Uh, they probably use uh, shared um, habitats the way that bears do. Bears have kind of these multi-generational caves that they'll pass down through their families uh, that we stumble upon every now and then. But sometimes bears will use the same place for, you know, 30 years across multiple families, and, and we won't know that, that that's where they're staying. Uh, but I think that these things move around from looking, you know, we, you have to look at that whole wide range of what are their food sources, what are their water sources, uh, you know, what is the encroachment of, of the humans upon the, where they live. And, and all of that is just taking into account the fact that, you know, if we're talking about them as being biological creatures, as being a living animal. Uh, without taking into account any aspect that there might be some high strangeness with them being supernatural creatures or, or earth, earth elementals. I, I think it's interesting that you were telling your story and you were talking about how you, you got this feeling and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you think of the dog man and get that ding, ding, ding in your head. And I mean, is that a part of it? Is, is there something where you're, there's a, again a confluence of what you're thinking about, what you're feeling about, what the the land is kind of thinking about, and what the land is able to create, and then it manifests, you know, like a thought form, like an aggregore or a tulpa or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I, I mean, they can possibly be anything, right? So by by limiting it, and saying you know it's only in Michigan, it's only in Wisconsin. For the longest time, people said that, you know, there's no dog man at all. It was this, you know, kind of uh, April Fool's Day joke that was created in the 80s by a Michigan radio DJ. And yet, when I did the dog man symposium in Ohio, that's from a dog man attack that happened in Ohio in the 1970s, which predates the April Fool's Day joke, which is supposed to be the creation of dog man. Um, so, Again, just leave open the possibilities of weirdness getting the better of all of us. I think that that's the way to kind of look at this. I think that if there's dogmen, 
then they're everywhere. If there's Bigfoot, they're everywhere and they're nowhere at the same time, obviously, because we don't see them all the time. So, you know, there's obviously a John, as far as I know, a John Tenney, who is sometimes in Michigan, sometimes in Boston, sometimes in Florida, sometimes in California. And if you ask anybody, I'm pretty hard to track down. I don't answer my emails very well. I, I don't respond very well on social media. Uh, I am sometimes harder to find than Dogman or Bigfoot or ghosts. Uh, but I am real. And so for me to say that, you know, there's no Bigfoot, there's no Dogman, just seems nonsensical to me. Do you believe then that Dogman is an actual creature? Because for a lot of people, it's so sci-fi. People will believe in Bigfoot. But when you start talking about Dogman or werewolves or bipedal canines, whatever you want to call them, you know, people have a hard time believing that that creature is true. What is your opinion of it? Yeah, I mean, again, this comes right back to it. Like, it's it's a personal preference, right? Because I have... I have people tell me all the time, like, oh, you did that Dogman conference. That's really weird. And yet they'll say that to me while we're investigating ghosts at Ohio State Reformatory or, you know, while we're in an abandoned jail looking for ghosts. And then they're also telling me that looking for Dogman is something weird to do. So it's personal preference. Like, just be open to doing weird stuff and looking for weird things. And the judgment call on, you know, if Bigfoot is weirder than Dogman is weirder than elves is weirder than aliens. Like just, just throw that out the window and say, listen, this stuff is weird. People are experiencing strange phenomena. Let's talk to each other about it and let's grow the conversation other than, you know, doing what humans do best, which is break ourselves up into individual groups and try and take the other groups out. Do you think all of these creatures, whether it's Bigfoot, Dogman, aliens, do you think they're all tied together in some strange way? Yeah, I I think that there's (laughs) kind of a shared universe, uh, you know, like a, a shared Marvel or shared DC universe. Uh, I mean, I have problems with the term paranormal, right? Because it means somewhat parallel to the normal. Uh, I always, I I try to use the word anomalistic, which just means, you know, kind of an unknown. Uh, If these things are happening, and I think many of them probably are, uh, then that means they are normal. It means that they are natural. They're not supernatural. They're not paranormal. They're they're normal. We just haven't explained them yet. We, We haven't figured out what about them is real and what about them is, is, is the fake portion because we're going to be wrong on some of it. I mean, people have to understand that too. If, if people are driving toward the answer, if people are looking for the answers to these great and weird and wonderful questions, they have to be prepared that a lot of what we know is going to be wrong. And, you know, there were psychical researchers, ghost hunters in the, in the 1800s, that we're looking into past lives and, and can people be reincarnated? And what they ended up finding out was that people can store memories from childhood and that people can uh, suppress memories and then those memories can be recovered. And, and all of that stuff became the field of, of psychology and psychiatry. And so, and, and then those, ex- those experiences were able to be explained and some of it was right and some of it was wrong. So 
Even when you hear people talking about like, oh, well, one day we're going to figure this out. One day the paranormal will be an accepted science. Like, as it becomes accepted, it's not going to be called paranormal anymore. Like, it's not going to be called psychic phenomena. It will change into an accepted scientific field. And so, I don't know. I just think that people should 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 focus more on having the experience years and years ago. Uh, I talked to the kind of great grandfather of ghost hunters, Hans Holzer. And I had, you know, I was a younger man then. I had a Geiger counter and a analog tape recorder and all of this stuff. Cause I was going to hunt for a ghost. And he said to me, what are you doing with all that stuff? And I said, I'm going to try and find a ghost. And he said, at some point you have to throw all that junk away and have an experience, have a human experience with it. And I, I really think that's what's important most for people. But most people are afraid to have that experience. They're afraid to, you know, go into a place without the technology. They think they got to go spend thousands of dollars on paranormal equipment or cameras, or or if you go into the Bigfoot dogman realm now, you know, we're getting into drones. I mean... People are technology happy, and they feel the more toys they have, the better off they are going to be. And it's convincing themselves, as that's the way, John, they're going to get that evidence that nobody else has. My argument, to take, to take your step one further, I'm a little upset with the way nobody is congregating that evidence and bringing it together to try and figure out some sort of possibility to some solutions that may be out there right before our very eyes. Yeah, that's one of the biggest problems, right? Like being able to store, catalog, categorize the information that everyone has. We should have, at this point, if people were doing really good research, we should have really good data um, about the weather what the and, and the weather, the environment, who's investigating, you know, these locations, the bigger locations, whether it be Mansfield or Waverly Hills, these places where people are at every single day uh, investigating. And just to be able to know, like, how many people were in this room? What were the questions that you were asking? What was the temperature like outside? What time of day was it? Like, just just to have all of that information compiled, we might be able to see trends in, in when, you know, activity, uh, quote unquote, activity, ghostly activity happens. And when it decreases, we, if people kept really good records and actually did really good research, like we might have figured something out by now, but doing research is more difficult than having fun and standing around the dark and having weird things happen. Uh, so, I understand that that's the point we're at now. There's a lot of people who like to do this. They're entertained by it. That's absolutely fine. Again, I am all for promoting the conversations about the things that we're talking about. But, you know, at some point, people uh, on a large scale are going to have to start keeping track of their experiences. I, I mean, I just do personally. Every time I have uh, a touch of deja vu, I, I note it as fast as possible. I try and look at the time and make a mental note. Okay, this happens now, now, now. And I have this weird book of all of these strange time dates. And, and, and you know, as I crunch that number into a computer, like I've noticed just in my life over the past seven years, like deja vu most commonly happens to me uh, between five o'clock in the afternoon or five o'clock at night and five, five thirty. So, like, 
I know that that's when I trend to have deja vu. And I don't know what that means. Uh, I look at my eating habits and stuff, but it's just keeping track of the information. I'm also an information nerd. Like I love it. Right. And I know that what you were talking about earlier, people with the technology, they love to have the technology so they can get the data so they can get the evidence so they can solve it. That's, that's crazy to me too, because, you know, as much as technology is sometimes awesome, it is also sometimes flawed and not well understood. Your body is an awesome piece of technology and it too is flawed and misunderstood, but your ears were designed to hear a human voice. They were designed to hear whispers in the dark. Your eyes were designed to look for the shape of humans in the darkness, you know, just from predator prey the way that we evolved, like use this, this machine you have, this infinitely tuned machine, which usually most people use for just going through the motions of their day-to-day life to experience the high strangeness of reality. Is there anything, John, in your research over the years that you've wanted to experience but just haven't yet? Uh, that's a a pretty good question. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are. I'm, I, I don't know how uh, ghostly or paranormal, anomalistic they would be. I mean, I've I've seen UFOs. I mean, I, I don't. I may have been abducted by aliens. I don't remember it. Uh, but I, I mean, obviously, I always want to go off planet safely. You know, I want someone to take me off Earth and, you know, fly me around in outer space. I feel like human beings really need to get off this planet. So whether it be going up in a rocket ship of our own design or taken up into the sky in silver ships. And like if the dictionary definition of a ghetto is a place where not even the most educated and richest can leave, and so in that sense, the earth is a ghetto. The, the richest can't get off. The, the smartest can't get off of this planet. And so I feel like we need to, 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 to start exploring. And I know that, obviously, I understand the arguments with that, too. We can't get along with each other on this planet, and we've messed this planet up. Uh, I just wish that we could use it as a step to kind of grow together as a, as a kind of unified world who wants to explore space together. And you know what? It's the constant reminder every night when you stare up in the sky trying to figure out what is on. It's almost become human nature that we stare up into the stars and wonder what is out there. I think everybody has had that moment a multitude of times in their life, yet not everybody believes that we have been visited. Why do you think that there has been visitation from other planets here on Earth? Um, I mean, I would expect uh, that whether, here's the thing, right? So whether it's extraterrestrial uh, or time travel, whatever, like there are other things going on on this planet, I think. Uh, I have ideas about much of it. But uh, I got into a conversation with a woman one time at a convention, and she her argument against aliens was she said, you know, God, God to her, God had created human beings. And and that was the end. And human beings are the kind of end all be all. And 
for me personally, that kind of argument has never sat well with me because if something or someone or God, whatever you want to call it, is a creator, then by its nature, it loves to create. And I've never, I personally have never known a, a musician or a dancer or a sculptor to only ever make one thing and then not make any more. They are creators. And so by that definition, they love to create. And so her kind of idea that God would make one thing, human beings, and then never make it anything else, that never sat well with me. Um, to think that we are the only thing in, in the vast infinitude of the cosmos, I think, is, is very arrogant on our parts. And again, that's just my opinion. I don't have any evidence to back it up. I have weird personal experiences, which are probably misremembered at this point. Uh, but, but I feel like living things uh, by their by their own nature of being alive as they move and they spread out and, and they are interested in that which is around them. And I think that that's probably a common era commonality shared uh, by anything who would have arose and developed and evolved technology in a different part of, of outer space. So plus I have, a, I have a, this might be a little, um, good natured on my side, not jokey, but like my belief that I might have uh, idea that I might have about my human family is I want to believe the stories that people tell me. Um, I don't in many cases, but I want to. And if their stories don't hurt me, if their stories don't harm me, if their stories of being abducted or their stories of talking to space brothers, uh, going to outer space, if they want to tell me those stories and they want to proliferate our, our world with stories of wondrous, peaceful brothers who can lead us to a, a, a beautiful future where we all get along, I'll listen to those stories all day. And it's the beautiful personal experiences that people have that really keep me intrigued as well on this show. Because, you know, when we hear personal experiences about what someone has gone through, whether it's benevolent or malevolent, I think it has almost everybody on the edge of their seat wondering, you know, how that happened to them. How do we know it's accurate? And, man, that little sci-fi window in your brain all of a sudden switches over and say, no. I don't want that happening around me. I'm running the other way. You know, and if there's a poltergeist in my house and they suck my kid into the television, I'm changing the channel just to see if the kid has moved over to the sports network or something along those lines. Right? But the whole point is people want that experience. They yearn for that experience. But do you think most people who've never really had anything intriguing happen to them are really prepared for what could happen? It, it's interesting because people who uh, people who want an experience to happen to them, um, it seems to me most commonly don't have experiences happen to them. Like big, really big, massive, strange experiences uh, either tend to happen to, I guess maybe not big, massive ones, but at these events that I do, there's always someone here that says they're a skeptic that they don't believe. And usually that's the person who has the experiences at these events. Um, and it's fun to watch them go through the process of reevaluating how they've thought about things. And so watching their mind kind of twist and bend and warp as they try and process where that voice came from or, or how their, their, their hair was just moved by an 
unseen hand. So that's fun to watch. Um, but for someone like me, like the, the, the difficulty is like I was speaking about earlier, it's you, you can become jaded to it. So when something happens, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm being touched on my shoulder right now. And you'll hear people say that are like, Oh, I'm being tapped on the leg. Like, if, if that's really happening, if, if these things are really happening to us, an invisible entity, an invisible thing that we can't see is physically making contact with us. Like we have this compartmentalization skill in our brain, uh, which is amazing that we're not all freaking out. If these things are happening, an invisible entity is touching your knee or tapping your shoulder, moving your hair or speaking to you. Uh, that's mind-blowing, right? And we talk about it as if it's just an everyday common thing. I think the part of that is the day-to-day compartmentalization that we all do just to get through the day without really having to take notice of <laughs> maybe people are being abducted by aliens and attacked by invisible creatures that live in alternate realities. So in your paranormal research over the years... Are you seeing more benevolent or malevolent type of interactions with extraterrestrials? Oh, I really think that that it's the experiencer's perception of that. Um, When I used to work on unsolved mysteries, you know, if someone had something like sleep paralysis and, and so they had that whole experience of having a person in the room with them, uh, hearing voices in their head, not being able to move, that whole experience. When we first talked about that on Unsolved Mysteries, that was an alien abduction. And by the end of the run of Unsolved Mysteries, those were demonic possessions. It was the exact same experience, but it was however the media or, or, the, or the producers of the show wanted to portray it. And because of how it's portrayed on television and uh, people see it, then they start to skew their own personal opinion of, of what their experience might be. Uh, I, I don't feel like I've ever had a, uh, maybe maybe four or five, but I don't I feel like the majority of my experiences have always been positive, uh, not well understood by me. Uh, sometimes when when I say something bad or or, or something uh, malicious is happening to me, uh, I, I'm thinking about it in the moment without putting the full experience into context. And then later on with a little bit of hindsight, I can see how that was my personal opinion influencing me. I'm not one of these people who thinks that all aliens are out to get us and they're out to abduct us and and harvest our eggs and make hybrids. And it's all this terrible thing. Uh, But I'm also not one that believes that every single thing is benevolent. If we're, again, if we're dealing with Bigfoot, then we are dealing with dogmen and cryptids uh, of a variety and a vast multitude. If we are dealing with aliens, then we are dealing with a vast multitude, with greys and with Nordics and all of the variants in between. So to say, you know, is this happening more than the other, I really do think has more to do with the experiencer than the experienced. And I'm in full agreement with you on that because my whole argument on that point is if they have the technology to get here, do we not think if they wanted to, they could have wiped us out by now rather than kidnapping a a few cows and about, you know, 100 million people annually? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if they are coming here from, you know, 
a thousand light years away and they've learned faster than light travel and they perhaps travel in ethereal ships of light or whatever, like you're not going to stop them from doing anything that they want to do. So, you know, there's a, a, an acquiescence that must take place. Do you think then, putting your tinfoil conspiratorial hat on for a second, that we aren't even being Tin, told... Tinfoil tin hats just enhance the signal into your brain, okay. by the way. Well, all right. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because my, my daughter actually made me a tinfoil hat a couple of months ago. So I'm yes, not... all of the research all the research we have on tinfoil hats shows that it just increases radio waves into your brain. Wow, I'll just keep it to the. I'm sorry to interrupt there. your question. No, no, but but do you feel then that you know putting your conspiracy hat on then? Do you feel that we are only left to this subject to find out on our own and researchers such as yourself and, and others out there? Or do you think that there is some sort of manual, whether it's at the Vatican, whether it's at the Kremlin, whether it's at the White House, that says what's truly happening? I think that the the, the smartest people who have existed, um, the most evil people that have, well, usually not the most evil, but the smartest, um, the smartest, most intellectual people who have ever existed have written down their thoughts. Um, they're all read, most of them are readily available at libraries around the world. People don't like to read books anymore, but I feel like between the families of the elite, the wealthy, uh, the deep philosophers who were disconnected to families, I, I do feel like there's something out there uh, that it does exist in some form. Uh, I think that we get very skewed versions of it through kind of, again, this is just my personal personal idea, but I think we get skewed version of it when we look at the religions of the world. Um, but I think that we get hints of it passed down through the historical writings of philosophers and scholars and, and religious scholars and medicine people uh, through the passed down oral histories of uh, of you know, the, the First Nations people. It, I think all of the information that we need is there. I, I, I just have, think that we have to find a way of discussing it with each other to uncover it. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your research, what's a good story that you have heard regarding aliens that you just, every time you hear it, you think, man, I can't believe that happened? One that just blew you away. Um... Interesting, right? So, I mean, do you do you want something that? I, so, like my favorite, my favorite story, uh, and it's not earth shaking and earth shattering, right? Like, so it's the it, it is it's the story of Joe Simonton in in Wisconsin back in the '60s, where aliens made him pancakes. You know, that was his story. He was a, a, an old, not well-educated farmer living in a Wisconsin uh, field, and uh, he called up a friend one day and said, hey, in, I think in the ninth, early 1960s, and he called up a friend of his and he said, hey, a UFO just landed. Uh, you should come out here. And his friend thought, oh, no, this old man, he's had some kind of mental or psychotic break. How about I better go out and see that he's okay. The friend gets out there. You have a huge scorch mark, a circular scorch mark on the property. 
And Joe says to this man, you know, oh, yeah, this, these aliens landed. They came down in a ship. There were three of them. They were small. They looked like they were from Europe or something. They had these little black and silver suits on. They telepathically told me that they needed water from my well. They gave me a silver jug. I gave them water. They were cooking pancakes. They gave me pancakes. Uh, and then they flew away. Like, that story, just that story, ending there is unendingly fascinating to me. Like, what is going on with that story? I mean, just the, the, the level of fabrication, if he's making it up, is so interesting. But then, you know, when you start to look into, like, this uneducated man who is coming up with these concepts of, you know, they're telepathically, uh, they're talking to me in my mind, and, and they're telling me they want... Uh, river water, my well water in a silver jug. And here's this huge burn mark. And, and, and like, all of that is just so fascinating, especially when you start to tie it to like legends of fairy folk who could only drink river water out of silver vessels. And they'd leave fairy rings wherever they went, uh, or that they would wear black and silver piping on, on their costumes. So you have this uneducated man relating a UFO story in the sixties that somewhat lines up perfectly with, stories of the wee fairy folk in Northern England in the 14th and 15th century. Like it's stuff like that, that just, I love how strange it is. And I, I love how much it makes me think that everything is connected, that all of this weirdness is just a giant octopus with tentacles that reach out from the different dark corners of our reality. I know time is winding down here. We only got a couple of minutes left, but I'm going to share a story here. A guy I know in my small town, he is a very spiritual guy, totally believes in aliens. And in this town called Little Fort, just, you know, about 40, 40 miles away from here, there's this old man who has this store. And one day, the guy I know is driving down the highway, and he sees in his rearview mirror the guy walking and staggering out of his store, crossing the street, going towards the lake. So he turns around, goes back, and says, hey, what's going on? And the guy just looks like he was in a barroom brawl. And he says, oh, nothing. Nothing went on. I, I just tripped and fell. And you you know, I mean, when somebody's been victimized, mm -hmm. you know. For so, sure. So after he's talking to him for a few minutes, he's like, do not go into my store. There is something there. And just as that happened, the guy I know turns, looks across the highway at his store, and there a six- to seven-foot reptilian walked out of the door and walked to the side of the building and then disappeared. What? Where is that? Up here in, near my town. This I gotta get up there. I'm telling you, there is a lot of strange stuff happening around here. A lot of strange. Well, then I'm coming because I need to be where it's strange. <laughs> oh, you, you you better you better book a couple of weeks, my friend. You better cook. <laughs> I got I got a question here from Deb. All right, and she is asking, John, have you ever been a part of an exorcism? Uh, yeah, I was in '99. I got to sit in uh, the Holy See, the Vatican, uh, actually. Uh, put together an exorcism in Michigan for the Archdiocese of Detroit. And I had some friends who worked for the Archdiocese who did what needed to be done. And I got to sit in on it. Um, 
unfortunately were like running out. It was, it was, it was very, very bizarre uh, to see uh, as a person who's not religious, especially not Catholic. Uh, it was very interesting to watch an exorcism take place. It's not at all like you would see in the movies. Uh, but I, I find that it was even more disconcerting uh, watching the body contort, knowing that the, that the bones weren't breaking, broken uh, by the way the body contorted. The fact that the client who the, the exorcism was taking place on had kind of deep access information to my life, like said things to me, which I wasn't allowed to respond to that no one would have known, uh, even in the, you know, this was pre-internet, but uh, even with the internet, like secrets that I harbor deep within myself that this this thing had access to. Uh, but for another time, we will speak of it. Absolutely. And John, thank you so much. I know you wanted to usually do the full three hours, but you can only go to do me a favor, have a safe cruise. Don't disappear in the Bermuda Triangle because we need you back for Wednesday, July 26th. All right. I will be here. All right. And my there. Friend. Thank you so much. And everywhere much. in between. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hang up on you. I'm going to let you go. Don't take that rude, but I do know you got to nope. run. And uh, be safe. Safe travels, our friend. Thanks, my friend. Take care. That's John Tenney. He is now a bi-monthly guest on Spaced Out Radio. His request, you know, we're just shocked that it happened. You know, John's an amazing guy, amazing guy. Check out his website, weirdlectures.com. And once again, John will be back on Spaced Out Radio Wednesday, July 26th. How'd you like to be on a paranormal cruise going to the Bermuda Triangle right now? And on top of it, Preacher and Everett, he gets to take part in the VIP dinner. What's that like? I wonder what they serve for food. Are the drinks free? Do you still have to tip? I don't know. Preacher and Everett from The Encounter Online joining me for hour number three coming up right after this. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. Hey, during the break, check out our store online, Space Out Radio t-shirts, right here for you to grab. We will be right back right after this on the Mighty SOR. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there, this is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event, September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers. 
and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with Euphorcop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Witkowski's Strange Days. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter online, only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? 
strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you'd join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between. Hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. It's the final Friday of May tomorrow night, which means it's the SOR Paranormal Roundtable, where I'm going to be joined by some friends. We're going to hang out, talk all things paranormal, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network, live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We are also live on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in noon in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We're live on KTLK, the Fringe FM. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on the Double R Machine, remember, Revolution Radio is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Herquitaliancy. Herquitaliancy is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, as Bill sets the password each and every night right here on the mighty S-O-R. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you could do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You could tune us in on TuneIn, download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm. TalkStream Live, Player.fm, and Stitcher, and our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including the brand new Spaced Out Radio store, where we have t-shirts, stickers, we also have posters that I will personally autograph for you, we also have the Encounter Online, our news section, brought to you by Eric Markham and Everett Themer, who are coming up with me here momentarily, and You can also join the SOR Space Travelers Club for as low as $5 a month. Everett Themer, Eric Markham, welcome back. We haven't done this since we got back from Provincetown. How are you guys? Good. How are you? It is good. Corey in the chat room wants to hear the word plethora. 
because it's her Friday night. She's like, please say plethora for me. So plethora, plethora, plethora. There you go. Drink, 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 my friend. Drink, drink, drink. You know, Corey, Corey in the chat room, like, she is, she is a very good friend of mine, and she is like a sister to me. And she's also helping out with the Caribou Paracon, which will be September 29th to October 1st here in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. And I hope all of you attend. You know, but Corey has some weird, weird things happening. I got to go over to her house because she's got one room in her house that is not doing so well. And I got to go check it out for her, you know, later this weekend or maybe even, or she's camping this weekend, but probably early next week. So I'll get over there. But she has this UFO story that is pretty cool from our area. And that is that one day she was driving back into the community and she got buzzed in her minivan. And, and Corey's a caretaker of senior citizens. She's got an amazing job, loves her patients. And she was taking some, some of the seniors back to their facility. And all of a sudden, she got buzzed, which, which she thought was a jet airplane. The problem is, we don't get jet airplanes around here. Okay, it's very, very rare. And if you do see them, they're probably at 30, 35,000 feet up in the air. But this jet came screaming over, and there was no tail section on it. Absolutely weird. Weird. Absolutely weird. You know, so I always listen to what Corey says because she is like a sister to me. And I love her to death, and I, I love that she's in the chat rooms and hanging out with us all the time. And she has the SOR hot tub as well. Is so, she bringing it? <laughs> well, when you guys get here for the Caribou Paracon, we're going to schedule a private night for a bunch of us to head on over to the specialized SOR hot tub and have a little party there. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> we can make it our own little VIP party. Absolutely. And you know what? We're all invited. We're all going to be invited. Do we have to buy passes? <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't have to buy passes. We'll make sure that we're we're able to uh, get in there. That's for sure. So well, we know how to treat guests the right way after what happened in Provincetown. Well, you know what, Provincetown. You know, we should be honest with our listeners a little bit. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but. The reality of Provincetown was it, it was a great facility. It was a beautiful place. And Corey says, by the way, bring beer. So we will. We will. But Provincetown was a beautiful place. But, you know, I love Sam Beltrusis. He did his best. It, you know, he really didn't seem to get the help that, you know, people had volunteered to help him out. But I think the biggest disappointment for me going there was that we had the Spaced Out Radio team. We all traveled long and far to get there, some of us more than others. And after the event on Saturday, we go into the bar at the hotel, and we run into Dave and Maggie in New Jersey, who have a paranormal team there, and they're big Spaced Out Radio fans. So Dave and Maggie, if you're listening, much love to you. And... They were so excited to see us. I, you know, I gave them a poster and autographed it for them, and they were just like, "Are you serious? Well, let me buy you a drink." So we sit down. And I said, "So what are you guys up to tonight?" Well, we're going to the VIP dinner. 
where all where all the speakers are going to be, and, and we bought VIP passes for that. So we're going to sit around dinner, and they're going to do a roundtable. And I'm sitting there with Lana, our personal assistant for the show, and we look at each other, and, and they're like, are you going to be there? And we're like, this is the first I'm hearing about it. <laughs> Well, you know, I, hopefully everybody can take this as a learning experience. It was Sam's first Paracon. It was our first time all being in the same room together. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can take it and make it better next year if he does it. I hope so. Sam's a good guy. He really is a good guy, and it's nothing personal against him. But you know what? The one thing that we took out of that, which we are going to be doing at our own Paracon, is when you're bringing in these people to speak, and at our event, we have you know we have Lorian Fenton and Christina George coming up from California. We have the crypto guru Ronald Murphy coming all the way from Pennsylvania. You guys are coming up. You know, you have to take care of the people who get you there. You know, who are helping you put the event on the map. Because if you don't, people don't come. And, you know, that's one of the things that we that we learned during this event. I mean, Sam did his best. He's an amazing, amazing guy. And I wish we we were invited to the ghost hunts, you know, because I would have yeah. I, I would have liked to have gone, actually. But on the flip side, you know... We got to do our own... You know what? I will say this. It was probably a blessing in disguise because everything was so hurry up, hurry up that we really didn't get a lot of time together to spend and really chat about the show, the direction, you know, chat about some things that we need to take care of behind the scenes in order to make this bigger and better for everyone. And so we got that opportunity to do that. And that's what we did. That's exactly what we did. So, you know, getting to meet Eric and Everett for the first time rather than over the air or over the phone or over Skype and get that face-to-face meeting where you can see what that person truly is like, you know, I'll tell you, space travelers, we're in good hands here. We and are we still in, like each other. <laughs> exactly. But but you know what? I, I do want to say this, guys, and I'm going to just you know be humble for a second here because this is about you guys, okay? When I put this team together, you know, we're, we look for people, or I look for people who are on the same mindset as me, same frequency, because I think we got something special here. I think we have something that a lot of people could jump on the bandwagon with. And we're going to see where it goes. And that's what we're building for behind the scenes. As I said a lot last night during the show, if you were able to catch it between Spreaker acting up. But the whole point that I wanted to bring is, you know, I had some reservations. Because I thought, what if these guys were just portraying a role on the phone to appease the the SOR team? Because that's what it is. And I was so happy and elated to find out that Everett, you are you and your wife Tracy are really, really cool people. Preacher, you are a rock star of a guy, man. You know, you're, seriously, you're a rock star of a guy. So to be able to have that bonding moment with you guys to talk everything SOR face to face, 
for the first time. It was amazing, guys. It was amazing. And you know what? For me, the end of September can't get here fast enough because I cannot wait to hang out with you guys for a good week because you guys are coming up for the Forest Moon Paracon in Washington State where I'm going to be speaking there. And, Eric, you're going to be speaking as well. And then we're all making this convoy a six-hour convoy up to British Columbia, where I am, where we're going to hang out for the entire week and just party it up leading up to the Paracon, you know, it's going to be a good time. And I really hope that all our listeners take the opportunity to come meet us, either at Concrete Washington for the Forest Moon Paracon, I believe that is September 23rd, and then a week later making the jaunt north, to come to the Caribou Paracon in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. I really do. And I bet you there's going to be more than we know or more than we think. I bet there is. And I have to say, I appreciate what you what you said. And, you know, it was an interesting weekend. And it was probably a blessing in disguise the way it happened just because we did have the opportunity to iron out some of the things, the direction that we're going to go and, and deal with some issues that we can't always just deal with over the phone. And, you know, the way this team has come together is interesting. It's just a series of coincidences, chance meetings, and everybody kind of falls in and just wants to boost the show and make it work. And, you know, nobody's in this to, take over or there's there's no ego in it it's just a fun team to be a part of well and you know what it's one of those things and and like i was saying to to lana earlier this week and and i said it to you guys as well one of the things that a lot of the people and i didn't get this out last night too much i i was talking i was kind of all over the board because i was just i was pissed off at the way the audio was sounding and and it, you know, you want to start a show off that is very, very hardcore and impactful. And when you don't get that, it really rattles what you do. But one of the things I wanted to say last night is, you know, and I, I mentioned a little bit that I had had a, a, a bout of depression and anxiety since Saturday through yesterday. And what a lot of people don't understand and I'm sure they get it, but what they don't understand is, as we are building this, we all have daytime careers. Except for you, Everett, you're retired. No, I'm not. Well, I wish. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. You got the hair for retirement, but. And are you saying it's gray? Yes, yes. yes. Oh. You got nice hair, though. Those are fighting words. But the whole point that I'm saying is, a lot of people don't know a lot about what this is all about. They don't hear those phone calls. So I'm going to let you guys, Eric or Preacher, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be open here for a second. Fill them in. Fill them in about what goes on with me on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm lucky. I work weekend nights, so that gives me the week to attend to SOR business, and it's almost like having another full-time job, but it's not a job because I, I enjoy it. Dave works his day job every day, six days a week, 
then he does show prep, and then when the when the show's over, like even tonight, even though we're talking now, there'll be a phone call, and the phone call can last anywhere from twenty minutes to as much as four hours, and we're we're constantly working on who the next guest is, what are we going to do in July, or you know what's coming up. Uh, we've got some things coming up. I'm going to start doing some private interviews for the uh, for the subscription side of the Space Travelers, and we got to get that going. So, you know, the show does the work for the show doesn't end at three o'clock Eastern. <laughs> that's just that's the end of that show. Now we got the next several months. Tomorrow's, you know, everything else getting planned. There's a lot of work that goes into this, and I don't see how Dave does it. Well, you get about four or five hours of sleep a night if you're lucky. I try to average six. Hmm. I try. It no, doesn't always that's work a, that way. Last night was that's four a high hours. high average. Last night was four hours. Like, like, give you an example. Last night we went into overtime until about one ten Pacific time. Okay, then Everett, you and me... And Ian Holt talked to about 2 o'clock in the morning uh, Pacific time. My alarm rings at 6.55 a.m. I woke up this morning a little tired. Just a little tired. I'm not going to lie. You know. I bet. But you know what? Everett, you made a good point earlier uh, during the Paracon. And you said, you know what? We are a budding brand. We really are a budding brand out there, and people are starting to take notice. I have to tell you, I'm not going to say what network it is, but I actually had someone for from a network, uh, one of these online networks, complain to me today. And if it's a valid complaint, believe it or not. But they complained to me today that too many spaced-out radio listeners are going into their chat rooms and posting hashtag Space Out Radio or listen to Space Out Radio to the point where this person has had to ban people because we're invading their network. <laughs> well, you know. Now, and so I said to this person, I said to this person today, this is a true conversation. I said to this person today, I said, I apologize for that. I do. But I can't control what people do or what they want to post and i'm not about to stop them she goes this person goes well then i have to ban them and i said i understand i've had to ban people from some of our groups as well from posting and i know our space out radio group i had to turn off the automatic posting that people could do because they were promoting other shows you know, and at times you got to be selfish. I mean, you know what? I don't go into, you know, Dave Schrader's show or Jimmy Church's show group or anything like that and post Spaced Out Radio. I don't do it for Heather Wade. I don't do it for Coast to Coast. I don't do it for Clive Lewis because I think there has to be some admiration and respect. You know, whatever you choose as the audience, that's your choice. I don't do that. And you know what? They don't do it to us. But when I have people who are posting other shows in our chat rooms that aren't affiliated with us hell yeah i boot that piece i boot mm -hmm. it 
you have no choice. You have to protect your asset, especially when you don't have an advertising budget and you have to rely on social media. And I've had so many people try and hop on the bandwagon because of our budding popularity, you know, and our budding brand, to use your word, Everett, and that's what I'm trying to figure out or trying to get into my vocabulary. But, yeah. And Everett, I mean, one of the things I know your personal goal, and I'll bring this up, one of your personal goals between you, Kim, Kim Gandy, our Director of Business Development, and Lana Scott, was the fact that to try and keep me grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to explain that a little bit. Well, I think, you know, like Eric had said before, the show is essentially a 24-hour show. And there are times where you and I are texting at 10 o'clock in the morning or talking at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's off and on through the whole day all the way again until the next night. And it can be really stressful in a fun and good way. There's just so many things going on that it's easy for any one of us to just kind of get wrapped up and worked up. And, you know, you need to be focused on the show, not so much everything else going on. And we need to remind you of that. And, and, you know, we know you trust all of us enough to know that we're not going to make bad decisions but we just need to keep you focused on the task at hand and what you need to do so that you can be your best three hours a night. And that's really important because we don't want, we don't want you distracted. We want you ready level and, and ready to go. Um, it really, it's tough to, it's tough to express the importance of that because as you grow and as we grow and as there's more listeners, you want to be on the top of your game every night. And that's what we need to do. We need that. That's why we need to keep you grounded and focused on that goal. Well, it's funny that you mention that because, you know, John Tenney was, was getting a good laugh that we, uh, that I have a personal assistant in, in Lana Scott, no relation. But the whole point is, you know, like you and I discussed before bringing her on, and you were like, Dave, we need we need to get you some help. We need to cut some stuff on. Is there anybody over there who could help you? And Lana answered the bell. You know, she's helping us out with the Paracon. She helps me out with my monthly ghost hunts that I do, which promote Spaced Out Radio. We've gained some listeners over that. You know, she helps me out behind the scenes on the show by doing a lot of our... our our event posting on Facebook, you know, so it really helps to have that type of team that is, that is built up around us, you know, and with everybody on the same page, by God, it's so easy to breathe, man, as we move forward. But we got some exciting things happening. Go ahead, Ev. I was, I was just going to say, Lana, excuse me, Lana does more than, than most people probably think. She does a lot, whether it's searching for something for me. Um, obviously, you have tasks for her to do. She's kind of one of the unsung team members because she does so much, and she does it when we need it, as as well as we need it, and as fast as we need it. Yeah, she's a gem, that's for sure. Absolutely, and she came to the Provincetown Paracon <laughs> with us because specifically because she wanted to learn 
as part of my Parador or my Paracon team up here, she wanted to learn and take notes on what works, what doesn't, what do we have to do, what don't we have to do, what is some su- suggestions. That poor girl was run rampant. Besides running our table, she was running around trying to figure out everything that needed to be done during our own Paracon. You know, and to me, that's huge dedication. You know, to fly 3,500 miles because she's never been on a Paracon just to make sure that she could take notes. Yep. It was a. It was amazing. That's, yeah. That's she is. She is a gem, really. I mean, she is probably. She probably deserves more credit for making some of the things happen smoothly than anybody will ever know. Because there no, are times where know. there. Yeah, the, they'll we'll know eventually. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> there are times where Dave and you know it. You and I are just frantic going back and forth whether it's this project or take care of this or how do we make that work and she can just take stuff off your plate and deal with it for you and that that is fantastic yeah getting the first uh, newsletter together this weekend is going to be fun we're going to ever you and i are going to have to probably get together over the phone while i'm at work saturday to hammer out the final details for the newsletter. Well, we got a lot of exciting things coming. Okay, oh, yeah. we're going to have a brand new newsletter that you can sign up for on our website. So you're going to get monthly features on that. And Everett and Eric are putting that together. We're also going to be doing, as as of June 1st, a couple members of our team, Kim Gandy and Leslie Mitchell-Clark, are going to be putting together a fast blast going out to 5,000 thousand media outlets in north america and media members okay that's how serious we are taking this we have actual business people working behind the scenes like this whole idea of a pipe dream of space out radio we're taking that to the next level because you know what we're done playing internet radio we're done playing with you know the small fry in the kiddie pool we want to we want to take that step up. And Everett said it best the other night when him and I were talking. We're that close. We're that close. And you know what? That goes to each and every one of you listening right now. It really does. It goes to each and every one of you listening because you are sharing this show on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. You guys are involved. And because all of you are involved, we're able to grow the business side of everything because we see our numbers getting bigger. We see things growing exponentially. Every day there seems to be something new, and it's kind of cool on this end. But I'll tell you, from a hosting point of view, considering I still have a daytime career i got to worry about to pay my bills until this takes off, you know, it's nice to be able to have guys like Eric and Everett and Lana and Jolene and Kim and Leslie get together and bring this on a business front to a whole new level where I don't need to worry about it. That's that's true. And, you know, you, the listeners deserve some credit with that. Huge. The listeners deserve... A lot of credit in even the team coming together because all of us were dropping in on the show and listening and, and we were all fans and we watched the, 
the interaction of you with the audience and how these people are smart and intelligent and can have fun and a serious discussion at the same time. And, and really your audience is a big part of what helped pull the people on the team into the show to want to be a part of it. That is true. That is absolutely true. So it's all because of you guys, all of you. And I see the names here every night. Some people more than others. Some people just hopping in for the first time. Some people, you know, once a week, once a month, really doesn't matter. It's all because you guys are taking the time to share the networks. And then we got WQEE, 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia. We have the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans. We got KTLK. We have Renegade Talk Radio, High Plains Talk Radio Network, Revolution Radio. Everybody joining in who wants to get on the bandwagon every now and again. JP over in England carries us a Wolf Spirit Radio, right, when he can. And that's what it's all about. You know, it's about taking advantage politely and properly of the people who are saying, you've, you've earned this shot. You've earned this shot. Go for it. You know, if we fail, it won't be due to lack of effort. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, I don't think failure is an option. I mean, I, that's I, not even on the table. But I just want everybody to know if it doesn't, if it doesn't take off, it's not because we didn't bust our asses to make it happen. Absolutely, because we but, are dedicated to it. Absolutely, but I also want to point out one thing. By the end of the year, by the end of the year, and I think Everett and Eric, you would agree, because we've had this conversation, by the end of the year of 2017, we should know, we should know one way or another whether or not this show is going to take off. And if it doesn't, we got some thinking to do. If it does... Then we got some thinking to do. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> well, you know, it seems that there are a lot of reports in the chat rooms that uh, something is going to happen, what, either in Ju- July or September? Was that know. what the, the thinking was? Well, last night, Ozzy Rob, who's pretty intuitive, basically said June 8th something is going to happen. Hmm. I'm curious to see what's happening on June 8th. Ozzy, Rob, you gotta, you got to give us an update on that. I'm going to win the lottery and we'll all be set. <laughs> well, oh. y- y- you know what? It's something that we need to we need to focus on. So with all of your help out there, this is happening. So when, I, when I'm asking you at the end of the night to say, hey, tell a friend because... We own the night together. I mean that. We own the night together. That's why I changed the slogan. Because all of us, I don't look at this as me. I don't look at this as, you know, Space Out Radio being, you know, Dave Scott Out Radio or something like that. This isn't an ego thing for me. When I say we, people, in our new slogan, we own the night, that's each and every one of you. All of you who have made a commitment, whether you're in the chat rooms, whether you're listening at home, whether you're listening in your semi-truck 
And if you got your semi truck, please blow your horn because I, I still dig that as a kid, since a kid. But whether you're listening wherever you are, okay. When I say we own the night, that's all of us. That's all of us together, because we're we're all hanging out. We're all listening to these weird and strange topics. Whether it's John Tenney, whether it's you know Stanton Friedman who will be on this show next month, whether it's you know Butch Witkowski or Ronald Murphy or Samantha Mowat. Okay, I know Samantha Mowat listens to this show all the time. She's just not on social media, but she listens all the time, and she hears. She knows when we're talking about us. Damn it, she's psychic. <laughs> you know, she's she's in high tune, man. She's in high tune. So remember, remember when I say we own the night. It's all of us. It's absolutely all of us. You know, and I'm busting my ass here every night because, believe it or not, and Everett and Eric can attest to this. If you're close to me, Corey in the chat room, she would know. Eric Cooper would know. Okay, other people who've met me would know that I literally carry each and every one of you on my shoulder. Because I give a care about each and every one of your opinions and what you're thinking and what you're doing and what you want to hear. And I take that seriously. So, for instance, I could look at the Revolution Radio chat room right now and Sun Gazer's in there. He's been bugging me for a week to try and get Buzz Aldrin on the show. I'm going to try. I don't I've tried. Know. I don't I've know sent if out I'm... the feelers, but so far, nothing. Exactly. Can't help He's it. a hard guy to get a hold of. Him and Tori Musgrave. I mean, Story Musgrave doesn't have a personal assistant, so it takes a while to get a response from him. But I think Story Musgrave is another good one. He uh, he's had some weird experiences, and for people who don't remember or don't know, Tory Mus Story Musgrave is basically the astronaut who fixed the Hubble Space Telescope. He put the corrective lens module in, but he's been a commander of several, you know, he's been on several space missions, and I think he's got a really good story to tell. And I'm, you know, I've got his email, and I've been trying to get a, you know, get a response from him, but you figure these guys probably get thousands of emails a day, so it takes time. Absolutely, but we bust our butts trying to get it. You know, so we are paying attention. We are listening to what we are trying to do here. And we are trying to, you know, make sure that we listen to you, the listener. That's one thing we picked up in Provincetown. We got to meet some of our our listeners and we made some new fans. And it, it was, you know, in just talking to them, I would say, what do you want to hear? You know, what's your interest? What do you want to hear on the show? And, you know, I took notes, and I've been acting on it. I think, you know, some of the people that they want to hear from are, you know, if we were the number one show on the on the ratings, we'd still have a hard time getting through to them because they're just, they're high demand. But we don't give up, and we don't, uh, we don't, uh, say, well, they're out of our league. <laughs> there is no one out of our league, and we continually go after them. 
so just remember when we say we own the night it's each and every one of you that is the we part it's not being cocky it's not being you know trying to be bigger than what we are it's actually a very humbling little slogan that i came up with because uh, like i said it's all about you guys you guys are the we but you got to yeah, check out let's face it without our without our great audience what would we have you know that and this is the the show that we're never going to forget who brought us to the dance either i mean you know Corey, chris fisher Trippin' fool you know if we're the number one show we're still going to be on a first name basis with these people because they've been here since the beginning I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, wow. You know, like my birthday show last night, all of you guys in the audience were there. And, you know, the amazing part about everything is, you know, how many people took part in it. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of strangeness going on, especially with that, I don't know what it was, that anomaly during during the cast. Did you, did you hear that, Ev? I absolutely heard that. That was that was strange. I've heard a lot of Skype anomalies, but that was different. That was like the first thing Dad said to me. My my father had surgery yesterday was his birthday, and he had surgery, so I wanted to be there for it. I got him up uh, Wednesday night. First thing he said. Hope you don't have to do your show tonight. Our internet's down. I was like, oh, well, crap. <laughs> they're they're kind of like they, you, Everett. They've got to use they've got to use uh, they've got a grant system up there, and it's all manned by volunteers, and they won't run a cable up the mountain, so they're they don't have the best the best access up there. So when we when we are you know working hard for you guys and trying to put this all together, always let one of us know. Always let one of us know what is going on and how you're doing with it, because that's how we grow. But that sound last night, Everett, that sound. I don't know if it was just an anomaly or not. You know, if you listen to John Tenney, he would tell you, well, we really don't know what it was. You know, and we don't. We don't, but I will tell you, I will tell you, maybe it's because I was listening through headphones. I I didn't hear it, you know, live through a typical speaker. To me, it absolutely sounded like somewhat of a metallic, mechanical voice saying, that's awesome. Hmm. And the weird part about it is, it was when we were talking about Willie. Willie the ghost down at the museum. Sometimes if it walks like a duck, it's a duck. Maybe you captured an EVP on your broadcast. Could have been. In some in some ways, maybe, because it did it fit right into the conversation. If it was just a regular voice, it would have been a perfect... Uh, it would have fit right into the conversation. You know what? I can honestly say this. I can honestly say this. Um... Maybe it was someone on on there playing a little bit of a trick. I I really don't know. Okay? But it didn't sound to me... Because on Skype, 
Okay, if, if you are are running a, a, a group chat on Skype, I don't know how many of you ever have, but you can actually see who is talking or where the noise is coming from at that time. And I had the screen up at that time because there were callers coming in, so I was watching more of the Skype screen than Twitter, which is usually in front of me. And when that popped up, I didn't, I didn't quite understand if it said anything, it to me it sounded like a male voice. I couldn't understand the word, but because I was talking at that time, go figure. But nobody's box was lit up like they were speaking. And normally, if I'm getting static, okay, or if I'm getting a bad connection, or I hear people rustling around or taking a drink of their coffee, okay, the box will light up that that's where the noise is coming from. And none of the boxes of the six people who were on the line last night lit up when that happened. So is it an anomaly that we can prove? No. No. We just got to figure out whether or not that was something paranormal. And we it can... Was a fo- it... Go ahead. No, please. I was going to say... It's a fun little birthday mystery for you. Yep. It was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. You know what I do look forward to is when this show does take off, I look forward to going to four hours. Yes. I really do. You have no idea how bad I want to go to four hours. I just can't. I want to extend this show to four hours. That's my goal. That's and it should awesome. be because it does it does open up some different features we can bring into the show. It, it it opens up a field of different things we can do and play with and experiment with and and program and see see how we can make it even better. Well, that's one of the things that makes Space Hour Radio different than a lot. We're not static. We're very dynamic. If this doesn't work, we try something else or. Even if it works and we think something else could be better, you know, we're not afraid to experiment and, and see what works. And that makes it, that keeps it fresh. So we got June booked. We got some cool guests coming on in June. Yes, we do. I, I can't believe May is almost done. I know. It's like, God, it was just my birthday last week, it feels like. And now it's. Almost June. It was my God. birthday yesterday, and I'm still wondering where the hell that oh. was. You know, but we got some cool, cool guests coming on. Really cool guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just booked, and it's funny because on Twitter, Mr. Skeptic was talking earlier about about uh, the Flatwoods. What is it called? The Flatwood Monster? Yeah, Flatwoods yeah. Monster. And I got Frank Fraschino and Stanton Friedman coming in on June 27th to talk about the Flatwoods Monster. It would be so great to hear Stanton Friedman talk about something different. I'm glad he's got something new for his repertoire. Not anything against Stanton. I mean, he's what he's done and his book about UFOs and all that was very informative and very well laid out. But 
he's been telling the same story and he'll admit, you know, he's been telling the same story for 40 years. So it's good to hear him getting into a different subject because he brings a lot to the table. Skeptic on Twitter at hashtag spaced out radio resisting the urge to make fun of these guys getting gaga over a digital audio glitch. Too funny. Hey, I'm the first one. I'll snark you right back on the air because I know you like good snark. I was the first one to say that we don't know what it is. We don't know what it was. It's an anomaly. I know what I experienced, darn it. I know what I experienced. I know what I experienced. One day, one day when I do open lines again, I want Skeptic to call in. I want yeah. you to call in. I got, I got to hear from you. I may even want to bring you on as a guest. I may even want to bring you on as a guest. Would it be a night of snark fest? Yes. <laughs> that, 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 that would be fun. He is the king of the snark. You know, usually, but you know what? When when his snark is weak, I can tell, and and I actually have to remind him on Twitter every now and again to pick up his game. I see a movie in this. I see Snarknado. <laughs> Beware the great white snark. <laughs> I know it sounds like we're just wasting time here, but we're having fun. This is actually the first time all of us have talked on the air since the Provincetown Paracon and the great VIP party we weren't invited to, you know. But, you know, it, it is something that, you know, we we do appreciate. And the one thing that we don't get a lot of on this show is a lot of time to keep all of you updated on what is going on around behind the scenes. Now, you know, some of you may not enjoy it. Some of you may say, hey, get to the paranormal or get to the UFO talk or the alien talk or whatever. We got lots of time for that. Lots of time. You know, it's very rare we get a chance to keep you, the listener, updated as to what we're doing. And I thought, like Everett was saying, he had a pair, you know, it's funny how you forget things that happened. Everett was talking about how he had had an encounter and he had forgotten about it. And it's sort of like, well, when so much crazy crap happens to you, you just sort of take it in stride. <laughs> yeah, you know, that kind of creeped the uh, heck out of me. And the fact that I completely forgot about it and then remembered it out of the blue kind of creeped me out a little more. Well, that... When I started doing research on that Dewey Lake monster and when I saw that picture that a friend of mine had drawn and it made me think, I had a memory already of being scared and, you know, almost in shock. And then when I saw that picture, it was almost, you know, I, I want to get with one of our, our trusted psychics because I want to know if, that was just a block that fell in a blank spot or if I recovered a memory. Because that was, for me, that was a personally weird moment. Can I take a minute and tell you about a personal experience that uh, my mom just told me about today? I would love it. Fill us Go in, man. It. 
Okay. Now we live out in the middle of nowhere, and Tracy and I oh, live next on, door hold to on, my parents. Hold on, right there. If I live out in the middle of nowhere, how could you live out in the middle of nowhere? Because we'd bump heads. Mm-hmm. You live You're, north on the north the side. Canadian I live nowhere. on the south side. He's got the U.S. nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a half hour for me to go get a quart of milk. So. I'm pretty sure we're, if we're not in the middle of nowhere, we can see it from here. But uh, we, Tracy and I live next door to my parents. And my mom came to me today and she, she asked if I had been coming into their house about two, three in the morning after they go to bed and talking to somebody. And I, I was like, no, why would I come to your house in the middle of the night? And apparently, the last couple of weeks, she'll go to bed at 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. She turns the TV off and goes in the bedroom, and she swears there are people in the living room talking. And she's gotten up and looked, thought maybe it was me or maybe it was my dad. Uh, it's, there's nobody there. She said today it's happened so much that she doesn't even get up and look to see anymore. Hmm. That is interesting. Well, that's and, like me here when I hear footsteps in the the first time I heard footsteps upstairs, I thought somebody had gotten in the house, so I went up there locked and loaded. All the windows are locked shut, all the doors are locked shut, and I me and the cats are the only people living in this house right now, and the cats were with me. Now I hear the I hear the footsteps, and it's just like, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it's fine. <laughs> Everett, did, did your parents have experiences in that home previous? Uh, yeah, actually off and on. Um, the house was originally my grandparents. They bought it to or built it to retire there, and then my parents had the opportunity to buy it when my grandmother passed away. And the first few years that they lived there, if you would be in the basement, there's a part of the basement that's right underneath the foyer, and it would sound like somebody was coming in the door repeatedly. Every, every night, if you were down in the basement, you would hear somebody coming in the front door. Go up and look and see if somebody came home. There's nobody there. It's the same house that my son, when he was a little kid, used to play with the man in the basement during the holiday season. And then he, he had never met my grandfather. When he saw a picture of my grandfather, he said, oh, that's the man I play with in the basement. But it's been quiet for years. There hasn't really been any kind of activity. And now apparently the last couple weeks or so, this is kind of stirring up. It's, it's just interesting. I wonder if anybody's ever looked at solar cycles and paranormal activity. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I mean, I would have to say that realistically, the house, th- there hasn't been any kind of strange activity for years. I mean, my son's 19 now, so it was, you know, 10 tw- or 12, 15 years ago when he was playing with this this spirit or man in the basement. And really, since that kind of stopped, eh, there wasn't any 
obvious activity. But now, like I said, my mom just brought that up today that it's been going on for a couple of weeks. Did she move anything? Did they clear anything out of the basement or anything that would stir up anything? No, nothing. There's a whole list of things that I need to go over there and do and move and take care of, but uh, there hasn't been any any serious changes or alterations or anything. Hmm. Maybe you ought to call Cooper and get his astral team to just check it out. I was thinking I was going to go over there and just sit in one of the bedrooms one night and and just listen and see if I hear anything. That would be interesting. That would be interesting, to say the least. So, I love it when stuff like that happens. I really do. I, I know it sucks for the people who are happening because I've had it happen to me and I just can't explain what's going on. But... I love it when stuff like that happens. Hey, yeah, somebody it, just it, brought it, up a... Corey brought up a uh, good point. Maybe something they brought into the house. To have, do they do thrift stores? No, not my parents. Mm. It, it's just... It's interesting. It's a little strange. I mean, there's a ton of family history here. Um, you know, my grandparents built that house... My grandfather's brother built the house that I live in and bought. Um, there's just a lot of family history here. This is this is the property where I had where I had my very first paranormal experience, um, and it's just it, it fascinates me how, like you were asking if anything had changed. In reality, nothing has changed, and you know we we dealt with some weird activity and my my son's activity when they first moved into that house but then it died off for so long it's just curious what what started this up again or or what she's actually hearing well i'll look into the what the sun cycles are doing right now maybe maybe went from a minimum to me you know maybe there's some kind of solar flare activity or something that's you know, we'll see if we can correlate those last two weeks. If there's anything environmental that's gone crazy, here's the pre. Here's the preacher putting his science hat on. Let's, let's try and see if there's anything we can uh, correlate with. That is the thing to do. We only got like two minutes left here, guys. Ev, that was what, a quick hour. Ev, what's coming up on the encounter online? Oh, gosh, we have a couple of articles from Rick Hale coming up. I believe we have some more stuff from Sean. We, we're going to be adding a whole bunch of new daily content. We're going to start scouring the web and finding some, some of the stories that are lost and missed and aggregating them and exploring and writing our own original material based around them. So we're going to be growing that, and it's just going to keep moving forward. Mm. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be real good. Real good. Got Mr. Bumblefoot playing in the background. Nice. Little brother is watching. I got to try and fit him in. I got to try and I have to tell you, I have the speakers out in the woods, and that song plays out there quite often in the middle of the night, and there's something... 
interestingly creepy about that. Walking down the driveway in the complete darkness, hearing that song from a few hundred feet away, just quietly playing in the woods. It is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Preacher, thank you so much for coming on. Everett, thanks for coming on. You guys hold on. I'm going to wrap this thing up. If you're listening in on the Spaced Out Radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bubblefoot Thal, our resident guitar god, hammering on the VJ guitar. The double B-foot is what it's called. Little brother is watching. Mr. Bumblefoot brings us in and takes us home every single night here on the Mighty SOR. Tomorrow night on the program, we got the SOR roundtable happening. The panel will be back. What we're talking about? Well, right now, I have no idea. But I'll let you know tomorrow, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We want to thank John Tenney for coming on the first two hours. He'll be back on this show July 26th weirdlectures.com is his website remember head to spacedoutradio.com get all your cool swag t-shirts, stickers what else we got posters, soon to be Carl the Alien candles, you can join the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month, read up on the encounter online learn more about Bumblefoot our guitar god and so much more. We're ever-changing what we are doing. I want to thank my team every single night. Lana Scott, personal assistant, Everett Themer and Eric Markham from The Encounter Online, Jolene Lammers, web design, Catherine James on social media, our great intro voice, the dulcet tones of Bob Davis, director of business development, Kim Gandy, and in sales, Thomas McGowan. Good to have you all a part of our team because all of you are a part of it as well, my friends. Keep up your great work sharing this show. Hashtag Spaced Out Radio on Twitter. Remember, because together we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, you ready to rock us home? Have a good one, everyone. We'll see you in 21 hours from now. Mr. Bumblefoot, rock it. Rock it.